Hello and welcome to the first episode of our new podcast series, The Horror of Who. As we approach the 60th anniversary of the beloved UK sci-fi series, Doctor Who, with its theme of adventure in time and space, the series has become the longest running science fiction show in the world, according to Guinness World Records. So what better way to cast our eyes across how horror has transformed through the last 60 years than by scrutinizing the changes made from doctor to doctor. Our purpose is to view these changes and dissect and discuss the lens of horror through what is essentially a family show that has always looked to scare and delight its audience across the years, starting with the very first appearance of the doctor played by William Hartnell. Before we begin, however, we should introduce the team assembled with the mission, starting with yours truly and humble host, Saul Murte from the Surgeons of Horror podcast. Alongside me is my willing yet unwilling fellow surgeon and sci-fi guru, Anthony the Big Cheese Yee. Hi, Ant. G'day, g'day. It's been a long time. Absolutely. But we have a few more people that we do need to introduce because as much as Ant and myself are veterans of the horror genre and have we been discussing horror with you through the Surgeons of Horror team, um, we should uh, introduce you with uh, some of the other guests that we are having assembled on board. Um, and they are no strangers to Doctor Who uh, because it's fed called the um, learned panel that we are bringing on board with us um come from an absolutely if you haven't heard it already you should go check it out a great podcast series called flight through entirety which is dedicated to the series of doctor who please let me introduce you to nathan bottomley and brendan jones welcome gents hello hey. thank you for having us hey yes thank you and officially we have a merge <laughs> of horror and doctor who in this kind of a little um podcast of a TARDIS kind of I don't know whatever whatever we're going to create this thing to be it's a mashup um, yeah exactly <laughs> it's a, it's it's a, a mashup it is a mashup it's a multi Doctor Who episode exactly mm. surgeons so, and uh, doctors <laughs> yes Doctor Who oh yeah. I like doctors like. oh yeah surgeons and doctors get that 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 would, that would be the manga title <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes I love it um, so look I guess before we start going into whatever this forms into uh, we should have a quick rundown of uh, what your first venture into Doctor Who was or what was your first memory or recollection of the series so that people kind of get a bit of a background um, as to where you came into the series. Um, let, let's start with you, Nathan. Nathan's only just started watching it last year. Yeah. So oh, <laughs> I watched my first Doctor Who episode in 1978 uh, and so I was nine. And okay. And it was Death to the Daleks Part 1 with John oh, Pertwee. I remember that one. <laughs> and it was a repeat in Australia. It wasn't its first airing. I'm not quite that old. But um, <laughs> it was that thing where, you know, my best mate in primary school said, oh, you know, the Daleks will be on. And my previous only experience with Doctor Who had been the Doctor Who monster book. And <laughs> so yeah. now that I knew the Daleks were on, I had to watch and it was fantastic. And it's a very scary episode. Mm. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Um, for me, I first started watching Doctor Who in yes. 1988 uh, at the age of five. Bit of a leap. Bit of a leap. <laughs> and um, what, what happened was um, my, my brother is nine years older than me and um, uh, yes. our family were getting ready to go to... Uh, my cousin's birthday party. Uh, so 
I now I was I was still in sort of anyway cut that no, cut that bit it doesn't matter um, anyway <laughs> we, we, <laughs> it, it, it feels like an interesting story though no no I was going to say yeah. I was still in my pajamas because I was in this red tracksuit with circus written on it but of course I was five years old so that probably is what I was wearing to the yeah. party. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But what, you see, what uh, what my brother would do is we would we would wrestle in the hallway, and you know he would go light on me because he was if I was if I was five he was about thirteen fourteen, um, and we remember it slightly differently. I was standing on him, and as far as I remember, I was standing on his stomach, and he says I was standing on his back, and quite understandably in that situation, he rolled, and the cap of my elbow connected with a stud in the wall and Ooh. so uh, broke my elbow Ooh. at age five right on the right on the cap um and yep uh didn't go to the party um and pretty much I, I i couldn't be put in a cast because my arm was still growing uh they couldn't oh, put wow. they couldn't yeah. put in a pin for the same reason so it was a matter of keep him as still as possible with like a you know um tied to the shoulder uh, what what yeah. can keep a five-year-old as still as possible oh all these vhs tapes of doctor <laughs> who my father had been recording <laughs> off the abc right. and i became so obsessed with it that um recently uh when we were moving my parents into a retirement village came across a whole bunch of the old vhs and i'm like dad do you uh, I, I might as well take these he's like yeah you might as well i've never told you this but you actually ruined the show for me because you got into it, it was just something <laughs> i liked watching but you had to know everything about it because uh, five, five is a question age yeah, like, what's, yeah. This? Yeah, what's, yeah. what's this what's, what's this? that what's this exactly yeah um but yeah, so uh, if anyone out there does enjoy oh, flight for entirety, Brendan. thank my brother for breaking my arm. Yeah. Uh, yeah yes, sir. Uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I have a question. So you said 1988. That's um, but, oh, Sylvester. Which did you come into it, though? Because you, you were saying you had like yeah. a backlog of VHSs. Is it Sylvester? Did, did you just come straight in? So I'm thinking 1988 would be. Sylvester? Uh, was that still David? No, 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 yeah, Sylvester. I've said it five times, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, so uh, I think I think what Ant's trying to say is that it's Sylvester. It's Sylvester. I know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, not sure. He's uh, not been very clear. I know. Um, <laughs> now, uh, so yeah, Sylvester was the first Doctor I saw live. Um, but, okay, but these tapes were um, John uh, were Pertwee, Tom Baker, Pertwee. Davison, yep. and a few Colin Baker. I think we only had three or four okay. Colin Bakers. And we did have some Patrick Troutons, but I I wasn't into wow. black and white television until I was a few years yeah. older. But I yeah. do I do vividly remember um, finding out there was new Doctor Who coming up, and we had to record it because we didn't already have it. Um, yes. And I was at school by that point. I remember being very excited at school and being very confused that no one else was excited by this. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, and also, I yep. remember pressing record on Time and the Rani. And uh, as a result, I've always loved Sill's first season, and I've been so glad recently that with its Blu-ray release, there's even more people going, actually, th this is flawed, but very good and enjoyable and what have you. But um, <laughs> possibly not horrific. So it'll be interesting to see no. <laughs> when, when we get up to. Probably won't mention it. Probably won't mention it. Yeah. It depends. It depends how you look at it, really, though, isn't it? Audibly, um, your maybe. terminology of horrific, or not? <laughs> the production yeah. values were horrific. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right. So, so, uh, Ant, what about you? What was your uh, first foray into the Doctor? 
I, I've told you the story before, I think. So, I don't I know. know podcasters yeah, have This is our first yeah, yeah. Come on. Yeah, they're they <laughs> notoriously short memory. Mine, mine was the um, uh, same as Nathan. I was, I was per year. I'm about Nathan's age. Wait, you broke your elbow? <laughs> yeah, no, no. Nathan, <laughs> not Brendan. <laughs> oh, my God. That's uncanny. <laughs> but my, my thing is it's family as well. I was, I was having a sleepover at my cousin's place. Um, and then 6 o'clock or 5 o'clock rolled around. And they we were just playing a board game. And then they jumped up because Doctor Who was on and they ran to the front room. I don't know what the, what the hell they were talking about, but they were glued, suddenly glued to the TV show to watch this TV show that clearly they were watching religiously and they were really excited and this is an amazing show, you got to watch it. And the opening credits start and John Perry comes down the velvet hallway with the oh. cake. <laughs> so my first thought is, this guy's Season a fucking 11. vampire. He's a fucking vampire because he looks like Dracula. So that was I thought. I thought Doctor Who meant was a pseudonym for Dracula. So that's what I. Yeah, right. that was, right. That's my first memory of, of Doctor Who. Is John was a John the vampire, but no, I soon got into it. Um, I loved because John was the only Doctor that punches back, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and he kind of he kind of looking back, he kind of egged people to take the swing at him. That's my abiding memory. He's like, oh no, yeah, like some guy squares up. He's like, oh, I can't possibly hurt you. And then they swing, and he does Venetian karate. <laughs> and that was cool. And then Tom comes along, and then what the thing? Tom gets punched in the gut an awful lot in the first yeah, season, yeah, because Tom didn't fight, and so he was a big wuss. So that was a big thing. It was like, love John, hated Tom, and then and then, but then. As towards the end of Tom's first season, you kind of get into him and then you start with John again. Yeah. And you love John, start with Tom again, hate him, but he goes for another year. You kind of love Tom. And then the year starts again and you start with John. That's how it did with the ABC, was they would yeah. always repeat. Every year. But they never, sure. every year. So that was my first memory of the Doctor, was um, he, was a, he was a vampire. So yes, he was quite terrific. <laughs> In a nutshell. Yeah, it's interesting because he did play a vampire, obviously, for um, for uh, House of Horrors as well. So, um, oh, there you go. With the were... infamous uh, Jack LeCate, so, yeah. um yeah. yeah. Oh, very yeah. Um, yeah, for well, for me, uh, for me, I've got no other brother, you, so for him, yeah. that would be top. <laughs> Shall we just shall we just talk about the yeah, go, 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 go. He, he can literally That's mute us all. <laughs> I did. Like I had the power in my hands. Um, so uh yes. Um so thanks for reminding me about that, Brendan. <laughs> At any point, and if you were to be muting me. I, I will I will I will eject you from the TARDIS like Katarina being um out of the airpod into um uh, the airlock, sorry, <laughs> as a as a sacrificial lamb. How about that? <laughs> so anyway, so like my uh, my, I have an older brother, so that was Tom Baker, Tom Baker era. But um, I because I, I, I all I remember was the the mad mannerisms of of Tom. But I feel like for me, Davison was always my doctor, um, because that was it was when that change happened that I was probably a bit more understanding of what Doctor Who was. So. Um, yeah, so that was kind of my journey to it. But Doctor Who was always on. Um, I'm well, very British. You would have seen it as, as it was intended, unlike the three of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. So, like, um, but like, even like, so my my mum and dad were very much the Hartnell era, you know, so they would talk about that. But my, I seem to, I always remember my mum talking about Troughton being more, I guess, more her Doctor. She his quirky kind of comic um, mannerisms. So, um but yeah, but like Hartnell was, you know, the the doctor for them, which is um, 
topical because that's who we're going to scrutinize first when we kind of start talking about these podcast episodes um but before we kind of begin um i should probably suggest uh, um, state that the purpose of this podcast is to look at the theme of horror through doctor who as i said um and if you look at the definition of of what horror is according to the oxford english dictionary um <laughs> it's one of great fear shock or disgust so these are kind of like the topical elements that we're going to be focusing on throughout the uh, podcast so when i say horror we're not talking about the genre horror we are talking about elements of fear shock or disgust um so they're terms that one might not immediately associate with doctor who because it's so closely associated with being part of the sci-fi action drama realm um but with its initial emphasis on, uh, especially with its initial emphasis on those weekly cliffhangers mm-hmm. um, that we always got in the original serials, um, there was always that notion of, or element of fear or surprise that's instilled at the end of each episode. Um, and also to lure people back again <laughs> to come back next uh, next week. Um, furthermore, in only its second serial, we were introduced to one of the most recognisable and key nemesis to the Doctor in the Daleks, which is going to be the the topic of our discussion for this first episode. Uh, The Daleks will be our main focus, as I said, um, as we look across what essentially are the five of their serials in which they feature through the William Hartnell era. Before we get there, though, I thought I'd give you some background as to what the horror landscape looked like as far as uh, feature films is concerned. So because in 1960, we had um, uh, received classics such as Hitchcock's uh, Psycho, Um, uh, 1963, which is the year that Doctor Who first came out as well, was Hitchcock's The Birds was released um, in theatres. Um, we also had going back to 1960, Peeping Tom, and that one in particular is incredibly relevant. Um, and I'm going to put a pin in that for you guys mm-hmm, to come mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. back to and discuss. And also Hammer Horrors, uh, The Curse of the Werewolf, having um, Oliver Reed um, kind of <laughs> growling his way um, around the set um, in a brooding presence that he always gave. And interestingly, Britain's giant ape story, Conga. Um, was also uh, in there, which actually starred Michael. What the hell is that? Oh, yes. Giant ape story I called Conga. Conga. Um, Conga. Conga. Actually... Drunk and starts in dancing. The... It's, it's, it's an office. Get, get, this. <laughs> get this. It starred, it starred Michael Goff, which we all oh, know goodness. from Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, Count- as well. Um, Chancellor Hedden. Uh, yeah. That's oh, right. Sorry. Yeah. And no one else. <laughs> and no one else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Um, yeah, so yeah, so that was also uh, on the screens, but also I want to point out 1963 was the fi- uh, when we also got the film The Haunting, uh, which is based on the, the Shirley Jackson uh, classic uh, story. Um, and for me, when you look across uh, all of the years of Doctor Who, uh, especially when it comes to uh, the stories where Doctor Who has had ghost inspired um, stories embedded in their uh, in their run. Um, there's a lot of inspiration that you can out of that particular mm. movie um, as it set up a lot of those haunted house kind of tropes that we've become used to. Um, 63, 1963 was also the year of the Doctor's first appearance, as I said, um, but it also marked one of the most shocking periods in our history, and that being the assassination of JFK, which I know both our gents from the Flight Through Entirety team have discussed on their podcast. Go check it out. It's really good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the, uh, 
but also it is yeah um <laughs> but there also the fear and threat of nuclear power and the cold war would also feature prominently in these first few episodes um around the daleks um which spawned from the dalek race uh, which spawned from the Khalid's race that are a result of mutilation brought about through chemical warfare and the fallout of nuclear weapons um but what was your earliest memory of the Daleks, of gents? When, when do you first remember the Daleks enter, entering your um, your remember. mind into oh. how we know them today? I, I remember that like it was the movie. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh okay. I, 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 and I couldn't, I could, but I couldn't reconcile it. He's the same guy, but he's different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. But uh, And Susan's a lot younger. Uh, <laughs> no, I, 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 I never saw any, any of the Hartnell stuff, but I read the book. Mm. And I'm, I'm getting, and you might have to clear this up for me, but Susan leaves. Uh, she falls in love with David in the series, is that right? Yeah, yeah. in Dalek yeah, Invasion of Earth. Dalek Invasion of Earth, sorry. Because I read that book, and then I saw the movie, and Susan's quite a bit younger than David. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and, I, and, I, and I'm like, well, she doesn't end up with him, but I was like, what? Who? What? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. but yeah, and, I, and it was just one of those things you had to accept because there was no internet to look up what the hell was going yeah. on. But the mm-hmm. doctor was a very different actor, and he seemed human, and uh, yeah. but the Daleks are the same, and the TARDIS <laughs> is the same. So, but that was probably my f- first memory of them. I think I don't know. What do you? What do you guys? Sure. I, I think for me, it would have to be um, Planet of the Daleks, Ooh. because I I remember that I found Genesis really scary, so I didn't watch it often, um, and <laughs> I I I I sort of recall being a bit older and being ten and watching Resurrection and thinking, oh, I haven't seen this before. So I think it must be Planet of the Daleks was okay. my first Dalek story, and then probably Remembrance. So that's a big jump. <laughs> 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 Um, yeah, and e- even now I find, you know, as, as an adult, I can see that Planet of the Daleks is, like, hideously padded, but I, I, I also think mm. character-wise it's very interesting and really, and really suspenseful. Like, it has that, it has that tension throughout, even, even now, and I think, I think as a kid I kind of latched onto that, because it's like, you know, it is two and a half hours long. But yeah. it's very tense all the way through. It's um, it's it's kind of a soft remake of the the first serial, isn't it? Yeah, it yeah, is yeah. Terry Nation coming back. It's ten years later. He's got a whole new audience of ten year olds. It's in color, and so he basically recreates the Daleks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, and takes it takes them away from the kind of more philosophical and um, metaphysical kind of. Uh, character that they have during the two Troughton, uh, the two Troughton Dalek stories. He kind of brings it back to being nonsense again. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, like I said, again, I think probably uh, Death of the Daleks is a remake of Planet of the Daleks because basically Terranation <laughs> has one idea, uh, and and in fact, uh, Gene Roddenberry. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> that's it. But when when he submitted the script uh, to Genesis of the Daleks to Bob Holmes, Bob Holmes said, "Actually, you submitted that to us last year, and it was called <laughs> Death to the Daleks. Uh, can we do something different?" Um, so, so Terry Nation, you know, who created the Daleks, is famously sort of credited with their creation, is very into the sort of Dan Dare, you know, those sort of serials. 
and you know science fiction serials sort of pulpy sort of sci-fi mm. soap opera but when you're space opera rather but when you're doing that in a tiny studio yes. on a very small budget something very different i think ends up emerging as a result well, the thing, yeah. the thing I always found fascinating about the Daleks is obviously they're very iconic and, and absurd. Um, but, I mean, I remember the first time I, I met one was in the first Doctor Who convention I attended. It's probably yeah. the first time I met you, I met you, Nathan. Nice. And, there's a, 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 and there's a guy who, in Canberra who made them for mm-hmm. the conventions from memory. And and um, the big thing was that, because here's the thing with the Doctor Who stuff. I, in the 90s, I got heavily involved with the Doctor Who fandom but i didn't pay a single cent because i've latched on to uni buddies and i just hung out the i just hung out the conventions and i hung backstage with you guys and and got all the all the perks without paying anything but i remember one convention the doctor the the, the, this camera guy built these daleks and he built them better than the actual daleks themselves and and he he basically had them at this convention in, in the marriott and Parramatta. yeah and and at one point he said you guys could actually be inside the Daleks, and then during the second day, the opening of the actual day would have the four guys come out in the wheelchairs, which because they, they moved on wheelchairs, yeah, to be in the Daleks. And I was being, I remember being a little bit jealous, thinking, "Oh, I want to do that." But there was only four Daleks, and there was like six and seven of us. But the thing is, the, I was at the, the second day, the opening of the day, the music starts, the lights go down, these four Daleks come tearing around the corner, corner screaming, "Exterminate!" And it's really fucking scary. Yeah, yeah they yeah, scared yeah, yeah. the it's shit su- out of me. It's it was- surprising. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I was I was twenty one or what it was. I'm like, what the hell? But it's 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 the um, what do you call it? the anthropomorphic thing? If it, something isn't doesn't basically roughly have a head or a torso and two arms, yeah. you react to it, which is why snakes are scary, which is why spiders are scary. These things don't have any arms and legs, and they scream at you in this yeah. chilling mm. tone, and they're just relentless machines coming towards you. It really works in real life. Like it, it's surprisingly on some fundamental level, they're really fucking scary. And that's, I, yeah, I've actually driven one of those Daleks you're talking about. Not on, <laughs> not on that day, but but many years later when there were about seven of them. And mm. it's it's also scary being in one. I can imagine. Um, it can be quite claustrophobic. It's, it's, yeah. it's quite claustrophobic. And also, I was at the Powerhouse Museum and there were lots of people around and trying to touch me. And I'm thinking, I'm going to run over you. I can't, <laughs> I can't actually see where you are in relation to me. But also, I was able to see kids reacting to them. And we're talking yeah. um, around 20 years ago when you know, Doctor Who was only sure. on in repeats. Um, there was yep. you know, no indication it was going to come back. And so these kids, I think, may not have really known what the Daleks were. You know, they, I, I reckon their mums and dads dragged mm. them along. But mm. th- yeah. you're right, Anne. It's that, it's that visceral reaction to something so unusual and non-human. Yeah. Um, that, and and that, relentless, yeah, too. Yeah. 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 Um, and another convention many years later, I want to say, 2000, I want to say 2001, I think, so uh, Wendy Padbury was at this particular convention in Sydney, and these Daleks were there as well. And the Daleks generally stood a- stood around at the front of the auditorium, um, the Dalek models. And during Wendy Padbury's interview, the interviewer brought up, so you know, you you got two stories with the Daleks, and you almost got a story with the Yeti, and you had the Quarks. Uh, sorry, you got said to Wendy Padbury, you got two stories with the Cybermen, and you got almost got the Yeti, and you got the Quarks, and you got the Ice Warriors. 
uh, but you never got the Daleks. And she's like, yeah, I was very disappointed I never got the Daleks. And at that point, the Daleks moved. <laughs> and as, and Padda's like as, shrunk back in her chair. This, this was like 20 minutes into the interview. So they'd been sitting there for ages. Oh, my God, yeah. And, and, and then Padda's got to get inside the Daleks. And so you've got this gold Dalek gliding around the room. And this is great. This, I love it. <laughs> Switch on the microphone, Wendy. This is great. I like it. Um, but, it, yeah, it's... It's fascinating it. how they are so unsettling, but can yeah. also be figures of comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I guess that taps into my question, because what is it about the Daleks that is so beloved and yet evokes fear in us all? Like, there's, it's, a, it's a curious blend, isn't it? What, what do you think is, is it about the Daleks? I think horror icons always become slightly mm. comedic. So by this point in history, we've yes. had many versions of Dracula and the Wolfman uh, and the Invisible yeah. Man, Frankenstein's Monster, Bride of Frankenstein, all of whom, if you look at the Universal horror film series, become figures of fun by the end of it. Yeah. You know? And oh, 100%. Yeah. I've been writing about that just recently, kind of looking at the 1950s horror, because at this, uh, in 1950s, sorry, Universal horror, because that's the turning point of where uh universal were moving away from horror and into science fiction um mm. and that says a lot because of the race for sp- yeah, race for space yeah, kind of yeah. stuff that was going on uh but also you um i've just written up the article on the creature from the black lagoon and that whole series because um that the the creature is like the last uh bastion of universal horror but it's also a beautiful blend into science fiction um with where they're going with and you can see it and uh also, that fifties period is where we get Abbott and Costello coming into the. Yeah. Into oh the, yeah, right. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, and oh, that's yeah. talking about poking the uh, figure of fun. I mean, that's mm. that's essentially was the turning point. They had, you know, uh, Abbott and Costello uh, meet Boris uh, Boris Karloff, the killer. You know, and it's it's just a prank kind of pantomime look behind you kind of stuff that's going on on screen with the the usual quips that Abbott and Costello throw into the mix. But it's it is you're right. It's absolutely um, they do end up being comical. So yeah, is that, is that also the? Oops, all. No, so I'm saying is that also the? But is that also what I call the roller coaster effect? Like it's scary but it's fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, because yeah. Saul and I have talked about this. Saul and I have talked this before about. The, the uh, on the podcast before, but the really um, interesting thing about horror is that um, and comedy, horror and comedy are two visceral reactions that come out of the audience instinctively. So if yeah. you try and do a thoughtful documentary, you try to make a romantic comedy, um, whatever. Yeah, you, you're kind of seeing consciously where you're going with this. But if you're trying to make a comedy, you're making somebody laugh. It either happens or it doesn't. You're trying to make something scary. You try to make somebody be scared. It either happens or it doesn't. Um, and because we talk about yeah. this with filmmakers as well, how hard, how easy comedy and horror is to do, but how hard it is to do it right. Mm. Um, because they're two visceral, they're just two immediate reactions. So another way of looking at it is we talk about if you could live in a film, mm. you could be a fan of romantic comedies. I'll put you in a romantic comedy. That's great. You're a fan of horror. I throw you into a real life horror film. You're not going to be a fan of horror films no. when you come out of it. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's that. It's that unique. Uh, yeah, you're just saying, is this funny? Is this scary? And the yeah, only I mean, answer, there's only two answers, yes or no. 
Exactly. I mean, Hitchcock famously said about how there's a fine line between comedy and horror, you know, so, yeah. Yeah. and he would often uh, uh, portray horror with a comical tint in, yeah. in all of his films. Um, so it, it kind of goes hand in hand that, that you kind of, it has to, horror really, like that's when it's successful, almost has to kind of tread that fine line between uh, pushing you to the edge of your limit, but also then reeling you back in and, and giving you, and, you know, if you look at most uh, horror films that do it successfully, you have the big kind of scare moment. And then the next, within the next scene, there's something light and fuzzy that's kind of yeah. happening uh, to kind of break, yeah. break that up. And it's just like you said, it's the roller coaster effect that we get on screen. Yeah. Um, but were the Daleks, for three two of the Daleks, were they just a consequence of the budget that they had at the time? They just they built something that just had to meet the deadline, and that's what they had. Or, well, it's it's interesting the the design process of the Daleks because um, it was entirely at the whim of who which BBC designer was assigned to that block of yeah. episodes, and um, Doctor Who in its earliest production phase was delayed by I think about two months. Um, like it was originally meant to go out in August and it goes out in November. And between then it was meant to start in October. There's that whole story about the pilot wasn't acceptable, so they refilmed it. Um, but So the original Sorry. designer assigned to uh, design the Daleks was a, um, uh, a, young, a young designer, later turned director, Ridley Scott. Yes. Never heard of him. Never heard of him. <laughs> Never heard of him. Um, Never heard of him. And and of course, you know, who would go on to rip off Doctor Who with Alien. But <laughs> uh, so did Ridley Scott really write the Daleks? No, no, because he no, no, he was He was assigned by the time um, by the time the dates came up again. Uh, he was working on something else, or had left the BBC. I can't quite remember which. And so mm. Raymond Cusick was assigned. Right. And by that point, uh, Verity Lambert, the producer, had put her foot down and said, actually, I don't just want designer of, of the period. I'd like two designers who alternate with us. And yes, they can go off and do other things because they must. Um, mm. And so Raymond Cusick was one of those. And he generally got the science fictional stories. Um, right. So Terry, it, Terry Nation did describe the Daleks as sort of conical shaped and gliding, he did use a salt and pepper shaker, but at, but pushing them around the table to show this is how they glide, not necessarily right. this is the shape. <laughs> yeah, um, but the guy was. The thing is, that's, like, that, that's like honestly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's yeah. if you briefed, if it was me, if you briefed me, I would have come away from me and going, "That's, that's supposed to be salt and pepper shakers." I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Terry, I was only half listening. <laughs> Terry Nation's description was basically a conical shape. Um, right. Possibly with a circular motif, which became the uh, the balls on the skirt, the ball. and right. three yep. positional arms, an eye, a manipulator, and a uh, firearm, and that's where ah. Raymond Cusick, um, that's where Raymond Cusick's design came from. And how, do you know how many they make for that first serial? I believe it's six. Right. It's um, not a huge number. No. And there are, are there cardboard ones in the background of there some are, shots? There yeah. are photo blow-ups, <laughs> which, uh, which, which were blown up to the wrong size. Okay. Like, <laughs> like, right. Of course, that is false perspective. <laughs> yeah, Raymond Cusick sends them off, and he gets the size right, and the paperwork exists that the si he gets the size right. All right, so yeah. It appears basically whoever, whoever made them just went, well... 
I don't have any card that big, so <laughs> smaller. You get what you want because it's going to be yeah. And there's no the background, so I'm sure yeah. it works. I mean, yeah. th- thankfully, you have Richard so, Martin directing most of it, and he doesn't particularly care. care. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> lovely man, I want to say, yeah. lovely man, and really good to the actors, and gets great performances. But yeah. just he's got what I call a that'll do attitude. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, the end uh, would approach. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. It's as, <laughs> Look, as everyone making the show at that time said, some days you just have to go, we need to not be putting the test card up <laughs> <laughs> at 5.15 on Saturday. That, that, I mean, that's, that's the thing that gets me about Doctor Who. Like, it is one of those shows. It's not the only show, but it's one of those shows where... Decades later, some of his grandchildren goes, so what were you thinking when you made this amazing thing that's, that's you know, that's, that's big, iconic, whatever. And it's like, it, for me, it was a Tuesday and it was lunch and I was fucking hungry. Yeah. And because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, you know, I've been to a few conventions two days, and I mean, particularly when a costume designer gets on stage or so-and-so gets on stage and you ask them, you can tell they're like, they're trying to make a story up, trying to sound interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, because... I had a deadline. Yeah, I had uh, a deadline. The <laughs> kitchen drawer was full of utensils. I <laughs> yeah, went with what I had. Yeah, like... The egg whisk. <laughs> yeah. One of the last DVD interviews that Raymond Cusick gives is on the documentary for The Keys of Marinus, which was yes. also written by Terry Nation but didn't feature the Daleks. And yep. um, he's talking about the sets and how basically they had no money. And he's like, you know, I had the same amount of money as we as we made the Dalek City with. And I had to make six locations off that budget. And the last question of the documentary is, so if you had to pick one thing you were proud of in the keys of Marinus, what would you pick? And Raymond says, if I had to pick one thing I was proud of in the keys of Marinus, was I proud of in the... No. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, he's totally realistic about about his work. I I think he's a bit too hard on himself. Um, But, you know, considering the amount of money the BBC and Terry Nation made out of the Daleks and he didn't got was on staff, I think think, um, during Dalek mania in the 60s, he protested and got... A thousand pounds stipend, yeah, a one-off, a one-off, and nothing else. payments, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which you know, it, it, that's kind of why the Hazeman Lincoln Estate are kind of annoyed when they don't at least get a credit for creating the Brigadier yeah. or the Great Intelligence. Like they don't actually command a lot of money. It's just like just ask us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is this the story of that with every like the the guy Bob Kane credited with Batman? There was another guy who came up with the idea yeah. of the utility, utility belt in the arm and what a. So yeah, there's yeah. always in history. There's yeah. always the other guy, yeah. Stanley and Jack yeah. Kirby. Yeah, Jack Kirby. Yeah, exactly. That's the other mm. one. Exactly. Oh my gosh! I was going to ask too. Like as a kid, this sort of thing is important to you when you see the Daleks because the Daleks are not are not a prop; they're real. Mm. Uh, and and the same the sort of thing that that caught my attention when Star Wars came out was why did the X wings have red laser beams and why did the Tie Fighters have green? But <laughs> the same with the Daleks. I because in the Doctor Who movie, some Daleks have claws, some have suction cups some have egg whisk is there is there an actual no um you know if if you were going sort of diegetic you'd say that you know they're a highly regimented society and they have particular functions assigned to them and for 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 those functions some of them need claws and some of them need plungers if you, if you were if you were very serious in finding reasons why re- <laughs> reasons why things happen in doctor who i think you'd come up with that whereas i think nathan would say yeah, it's just whatever they had lying around. And they had, <laughs> like... 
like with in in the first serial, I don't think they do. They use the plunger. They they do. They pick up the letter that Susan wrote. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. and <laughs> well, one yes, of the, one of the plungers yeah. was fitted with a magnet. That's right to let it pick things up, like the tray. Yeah. They bring the tray of food. So oh uh, you know, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. They could I mean, work for Qantas. It's it's a very <laughs> definite attempt to give them no human features at all, isn't it? So yeah. they've got yeah, yeah, like one basically. eye on a stalk. They don't have hands, and I think the the terrifying thing as as well is that there's a big obvious gun as part of them. And I think I think Terry Nation thought that that was pretty important because he he you know centered an entire yeah. serial in the seventies around them their guns not working for. An episode and a half, and yeah, he realised that it wasn't going to work without them. <laughs> but the fact that they they have these guns and nah. they will kill you with them, and that's what they talk about doing. And there's no real way of reasoning with them. And you know, um, yeah, they they're unreasonable, and and they're not robots as well. They 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 shriek and yeah. and and yell and things. You know, they're mm. they're they're frightening yeah. because they're kind of irrational in a way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and something that, something the Hartnell era does with the Daleks is, um, that later eras don't necessarily do, is they're never said to be without emotion. No. They're, they're said to be without specific emotions like pity. Yes. Um, and but th- the emotionality yes. of them is something that Terry Nation and David Whittaker, who's sort of their de facto characterizer in the 60s um that's something they both touch on it's like no no like uh i think i think the the description one of them uses is they are on the edge of hysteria yeah yeah yeah. and you know we go on and then sort of retcon that or explain it and say you know they're a, a being trapped in this machine and so that's why they're always kind of uh, you know, shrieking and stuff that they're they're kind of frightened. But I think I think it's one of the things that makes them frightening, and like that that yeah. stupid sink plunger. Like <laughs> you think think about the first time that they appear. So it's the end of episode mm. one of the Daleks, yes. the first Dalek yeah. serial. You've got Barbara, who is you know the unsung hero of the program, and absolutely. <laughs> We <laughs> wouldn't have Doctor. I, I love the way you champion Barbara. By the way, she's so great. She's <laughs> ever. I I still cry at the end of the third serial when uh, yeah when she leaves. I'm heartbroken. Mm. Um, but but she's just going through these beautiful kind of weird corridors again that have no right angles. You know that are, are weird yes. shapes. Um, and. And she is backed up against a wall and a sink plunger comes into shot, you know, menacing her. And she screams and we fade to black and that's the end of it. And it is it is that, like, what the fuck was that? What did I just see? <laughs> like, you know, there's because they have no human features at all and because that's all we see of them. And just because of, I guess, the reaction of the characters to them, they're they're really frightening. I think that's a it's great. It's awesome. I, I'm glad you. I'm glad you touched on. It. I was going to bring it up a little bit later on, but because we're talking about it, and I already dropped that kind of um, that seed about peeping Tom earlier, um, because for me, um, that moment at the the cliffhanger moment. Yeah, you got it. Um, <laughs> that cliffhanger <laughs> moment at the end of of one of of the Daleks. 
um, that you're describing with Barbara pinned up against the wall when we see the plunger coming forward. It, it's almost a mirror image of the, the first kill we see in Peeping Tom, where we see the tripod coming towards the screen towards the prostitute that gets killed. Um, and I do wonder if there's elements of that because in, in the um, uh, back of the mind of, of the creators, because and, and the POV thing was was pretty hot and new around that time. Mm. Um, you know, uh, it was ar arguably Peeping Tom did it first before Hitchcock made it famous um, as well. Um, and then Black Christmas comes around a, lo a little while later mm. on as well um, in the mix. But mm. all of them did the POV stuff. So I, I do find it quite interesting that that's the cliffhanger moment. Yeah, yeah, I think it's I think it's Christopher Barry directing episode the first episode of that story, and mm. it absolutely would not surprise me if he's been to see Peeping Tom because he's heard this this film is really well directed as well as being you know yeah. everyone was talking about it because it was one of the controversial horror films of its day. It was, um, yeah. And yeah, so I I I think that's definitely a deliberate crib, and. Of course, I came to I Peeping Tom long after I came to Doctor Who, and I went, "Oh my god!" Me too. Did you go? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They were and, enough Doctor Who. Yeah, and you know, seeing as, seeing as, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Seeing as I was at university, my first thought was, "They're ripping off Doctor," and I'm like, "No." <laughs> I, I, I think, I think I know what's happening here. You know, I don't, I don't. It's like I don't think Air France got the idea for Concord from Time Flight. I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe it's the other way around. Um, but yeah. Uh, on on flight through entirety, um, uh, one of our regulars and founders, Richard, said, I think possibly on our episode for the Daleks way back when, Doctor Who becomes a show about television, and it does other TV shows yes. and other films um, through through the lens of Doctor Who. And it, it's just occurred to me as well that yeah. something that becomes a rule for monsters and horror in Doctor Who is you show a bit of the monster and then another bit of the monster and then the yes. full reveal. And that's that's sort of introduced here. We get a little bit of it in the previous story with the caveman's shadow. Um, yes. Yeah, but right. that, that doesn't have... Because it's the human form, it yeah. doesn't have the same reaction as whatever Barbara is seeing because if you've been watching for the last five weeks, back in 1963... Um, Barbara's already been through a lot at this stage, you know. Mm -hmm. And even when she was terrified of the cavemen, she didn't let out a scream like that. No. That right. that pure despair. Yeah. So you're kind of left wondering, "Oh my god, you know, this is this is yes. we are we are taking the threat level up a notch here." Yeah. Um it's it's incredibly effective. And even before yeah. we get there, even before we get to that cliffhanger, just the atmosphere that's created um, through the radiophonic workshop soundscapes, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, 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 and Tristram Carey's um, music concrete, uh, it 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 gives that image of desolation, and it gives that yes. horror and relief. Like Susan finds that flower, and she's giggling, and she's having fun, and what have you. And suddenly Barbara screams, and there's a giant lizard. Until uh, so, and and but then you realise the lizard's perfectly safe, and it's dead. So you get. You get the the everyone's having fun. Oh my god, there's something horrible happening. Oh, actually, it's not. It's that it's that yeah, rising yeah. falling action. Um, ju just because it's slightly appropriate to bring up, I'm I'm just going to mention one of my favourite uh, classic horror films, which is Cat People. Uh, oh, the, Natasha, the, the 19th <laughs> <of> Natasha, <laughs> and um, 
is is it is it uh, Torner the director? The Torner Jack bus. Jack Torner, yeah. Is it yeah. the Torner bus? So, yes. Yeah. So there's yeah. A, there's a bit in in the film. Um, sort of one of the is this actually happening? Things in the film is it's possible that one of the characters is a wear leopard, basically, mm-hmm. and it seems <laughs> to be stalking another one of the characters. And so this woman is walking down a city street, and you can hear growling behind her and very light padded footsteps and what have you. And she's just looking over her shoulder, looking over her shoulder, and suddenly there's a huge hiss, and it's the door of a bus opening next to her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, that kind of silence, 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 and then a huge sound. It becomes a staple of horror. It, it possibly predates that, but that was, I think, one of the first big uses of that kind of scare where it's not actually something scary. And we, jump scare, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah that kind of jump scare, but yeah, yeah. It, it's it's not actually danger, and that happens um, several times in that first episode, like with but like with okay. Barbara scream, like with the doors opening when they finally get to the city, um, when when the TARDIS goes wrong because of the fluid link, and you know we we, we get <laughs> we, yeah we get our first the MacGuffin's broken, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, all of it sets up an atmosphere of unease, and the characters comment yes. on it a little bit. Um, and it, it it gives us the trope of why are you going into the haunted house? Yes, <laughs> like the city yeah, is the haunted yeah, yeah. house, and they go yeah. into the haunted house because they're manipulated into it, and they're manipulated into it by the character who we still don't know if he's a hero or a villain. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. and and come to think of it, you know, the haunting of Hill House has a has a similar kind of premise of of this scientist manipulating everyone else. People, yeah, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Okay, good. Looking back at the Hartnell era, with the exception of that, the dialect's introduction, the episode we're talking about, um, is that it symbolised either death or departure of the Doctor's companions. Um, and so for me, this automatically sows that the seeds of um, that whenever the dialects appear, something or someone will be lost yeah. by the story's end. Wow, I had uh, never thought of that, th- but that's a great Yeah, I never thought that yeah. either, yeah. It and, even continues in the new series think, as well. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah, the the, the ninth Doctor disappears. Exactly. This is right. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. Daleks. Yeah, Rose he disappears does, yeah. in a story with the Daleks because yeah, yeah. they're so iconic. They actually have an effect on the program as a whole. I think so, and I think yeah. this is kind. Of, I think this first, and that's why I really wanted to look at the Daleks across those five eps, <clears throat> because uh, five series. Sorry, five serials, um, because. Um, it does kind of the devotees of the series will know that the fear or in, in, uh, intrepidation will follow knowing that these thoughts uh, are lurking in the back of their minds that at any point these people that we've been dedicated to it within a serial may come to an end whether as i said it's through death or or choosing to leave um <clears throat> our first encounter of the dialects though is is as we've been discussing in the second serial of the harnell era um, and it's suitably titled uh, The Daleks. Um, it contains seven episodes. And, and we, as we said, we find our quartet of the Doctor, Susan, Barbara and Ian on the home planet of Scarrow. So going back to what you were saying, Brendan, this is the first time we're actually uh, placed in an alien planet as well yeah, with the yeah. cavemen that we saw the fire. Yeah. Um, it, it's either been on the TARDIS or it's been what we know of uh, as Earth in its past mm. form. Um, so everything's very alien. Anyway, 
Um, as you've mentioned as well, Nathan, it stemmed from the mind of Terry Nation, who wanted to have the Daleks uh, as kind of representations of, of the Nazis' threat of racial extermination. But what intrigues me, though, is that we never, as you said, see the uh, squid-like creatures that are inside the Daleks um, um, or the tank shells that we've come to what? know as these pepper pots, if you will. What, when's the first um, time we see a Dalek and... mutant? Just someone's curious. When was the first time we ever see one? Well, we do see we do see a little bit of a hand at yeah. uh, at one right. point uh, in the Daleks uh, serial, mm -hmm. um, like a kind of almost like a claw kind of like looking thing, but it's under a blanket, and I think it's Ian that wrapped it up or picked it up. Oh, I recall it. that. Yeah, so we never really we we never really That's see in the, movies too, isn't it? the Daleks inside the tanks yeah. um, at all in the first uh, in the first series. Yeah. <clears throat> mm -hmm. I wonder, though, I think that, that Nazism definitely comes in uh, because initially they don't say exterminate. And I think... No, that's a, right. Yeah. In a context yeah. in a context where you have, you know, nuclear war happening um, uh, and a, a, a single people split into two races, I mean, the first thing that I think of is the time machine. And obviously the film is later, yeah, yeah, yeah. but the book is yeah. obviously the book much is earlier. Yeah. And Wells, uh, you know, has those two races developed from different classes. So the Morlocks are working class people and the Eloy, who are beautiful, are, you know, yeah. uh, uh, oh, what, a decadent, you know, they can't even speak. Yeah, they're um, useless, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so you have the same division, which Nation has clearly just plundered from yeah. that um but because he's a sort of middle-class englishman you know it's no longer about class because he doesn't want to think about that too much uh and it is uh, you know it's a nuclear war and we now have two sides and i have to think that that the that the the stark kind of design of the dalek city and just their uniformity and stuff means that they're yep. standing in for communism, isn't it? Like yes, in a, that's, yeah. in a Cold War sort of situation. Definitely. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's up to yeah. I, well, the, the, the Tom Baker one, which is the yeah, Genesis, Genesis of the Daleks. That's, you see the Nazi uniforms and they all yeah. speak at that high pitch. Yes, you did exactly what I said you to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, they got, and they got the leather gloves. Yeah, no, but, um, one guy brings his own Nazi memorabilia onto the set and has him yeah, yeah. being told to take his Iron Cross off. I don't know why he has it. Anyway, it's a real thing. Oh, my God. That's amazing. That's amazing. I think, I think, I think that's the thing. Though. I, think, I think they transform into the, the, the Nazi image because Nazis uh, in modern history have become epitomised with ultimate evil. Yeah. And I think... Uh, that close yeah. associations happened over time. Whereas I think, as you're right, um, rightfully said, Nathan, initially it's about communism and the Cold mm. War threat, um, oh, which yeah. was uh, definitely evident in the in this first serial that we're discussing. Mm. Um, but uh, over time, it's 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 transformed. Yeah. Um, um, so, um, cool. yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I think I think certainly, you know, the, the the homogenization of their culture, and you know, you 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 can't tell one Dalek apart from another is is a commentary on that. I think where the the Nazism vibe really comes into it is actually with the Thals. Because it's true. I've the Aryan yeah. race kind of... Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. And, you know, Susan describes them as perfect. Something that was cut mm -hmm. from the original yeah. script was that um, 
through the kind of mutation thing, the Dals, the Dalek people, had started as um, perfect, gorgeous humans and shriveled down into the casings, whereas the Thals had started as a very non-humanoid race and now consider themselves to be utterly hideous. <sighs> where, Su- <laughs> where Susan and Barbara are like, oh, no, actually, lads, you know, hello. Um, but... That uh, that was cut because they, yeah they uh, were all gay though, though yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, I mean the really uncomfortable thing is you've got Caroline Ford who's a Jewish actor um, looking at all of these blonde people and telling them wow. how perfect they are which is kind of super uncomfortable and yeah. it is nation just not really properly in control of his material I think yeah well and and also he wouldn't he would not know who was playing Susan no I know. know but he's <laughs> a bit of an old fascist. <laughs> <laughs> It'll come up later in Survivor <laughs> in the next serial action. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, but I think, and and obviously we'll get onto this a bit more later. But the the Daleks are standards for Nazis really takes hold in the Dalek invasion of Earth, which is yeah. which yes. is the, which oh. is their second serial, and I think that's possibly because they kind of needed to pin down more what they were in order for them right. to survive outside the confines of their first story. Yeah, um, right. But you you know, you you do have them you, you do have them even towards the end of this, they go, Well, we're just gonna wipe everything out that's not like us, you know. <laughs> the general um, the general mustache twirling. Yeah. 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 yeah we're, we're just bad. You know, yeah. we don't want those other people coming into our city where we live. Yeah. You know, and right. we'll right. tell them we'll tell them they can come in and get food and then we'll just kill them. You know? yes. <laughs> so the it, it starts morphing into that, you know what I mean? Right, right. Um, okay. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But what uh, something I find so striking is when the Daleks in this story take the anti-radiation uh, uh, gloves, drugs, gloves, (laughs) drugs. Um, And uh, you see the effect on one of them and it's kind of moaning pitifully and crying out for help. And until now, you know, we've been terrified of them. They've locked up the heroes, but yet yet they can feel fear. And it Mm. it just makes them more interesting. Like... Mm. Later yes. writers, including Terry Nation himself, will occasionally just make them like unstoppable killing machines or robots, even sometimes. Robots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, no, no, no. It's a, it's a lot more interesting when you understand what it is they fear. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The classic, the classic, make the bad guys three dimensional. Mm. I'll give him, yeah. I'll give him motivation. I'll give him something to fear. Yeah. Or, yeah. Okay. I've, I had forgotten a lot about it. I know the movie ripped off a lot of this, but was, all of this is coming back to me. This flood of like, oh, yeah, I remember that, the, the radiation pill. Yeah. Wow. I think that's the thing too, because because it's kind of, you get hints of, of what these creatures are on the inside, but without actually, it's like the less is more thing, right? Yeah. Mm. So it leaves the mind um, intrigued as to what these things are. Um, and what compels them to be the way they are, um, which yeah. is what fascinates us. Yeah. Um, I mean, like we said, like um, you've got the two warring nations, which actually I found when I was kind of piling through the Hartnell era, a lot of the earlier stories are very similar in the fact that there's these two groups that always seem to be warring. Let's just Temple. plot that same device and put it into a different location yeah. um, and a lot of the way through it. Um, 
but in this case we've got the you know as you said the thals with the you know the aryan kind of look um but yet the more pacifist race um and they're the ones that are convinced by the doctor's crew to take up arms against their foes um initially they don't they're reluctant to do so which is kind of interesting um um, but it is the Daleks, though, and the image portrayed on screen that would generate this cult appeal um, and would lead to more appearances down the track. If you look back at this first serial, though, what was it, do you think, about the Daleks that captured the nation at this point? What was it that made people go, oh, this is something different that we've not seen before? I think part of it is the decision not to make them robots, like which I think yeah. is a stroke of genius. They could so mm. easily have just been robots, and they're not. And so, but that's what becomes the. Sorry to interrupt you, but that's yeah. kind of what becomes the mechanoids down the track. Yeah, surely, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. It, it is essentially this a new form. But anyway, carry no, on. No. And and you know when the Cybermen come along, uh, you know in in basically in the Trout era, it's just pulling the same trick they could be robots yeah. but they're not yeah they're not mm. yeah um but i think there's some stuff about just how imitable they are like i think it's a good mm. design like it's a really good right. design but people always talk about can you play it in the playground if you're yes you know in primary school can you yes, go good. to school well, the next monday and play dalek play the playground and well i remember just to draw quickly, we uh, Paul and I knew that knew one of the guys who was in charge of. Uh, he consulted on the Doctor Who logo design, right? For oh. for um, was it Matt? I think it was for Matt. And um, yeah, it was the first thing he said is like, "I need we need something that a kid can sketch in his yeah. school book yeah. the next day." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is why it was a, it was excellent. Yeah. Which is why it was a DW as a hexagon, but yeah, it's, that's a yeah playability. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah the point. new the new series absolutely does this by giving catchphrases and things to its monsters. Uh, you know, it's really, really aware that this has to be imitable. We have to be able to do it in the mm. playground, and so I think mm. that's that's it. So I think it's just a beautiful piece of design, um, mm. which is obviously a massive key to its success, mm. but also just that decision to to not make them robots and to give them voices that you can easily do. Mm. An, old, an old family friend yeah. of ours um, were, was born in the UK in in the mid-50s. He says he was about uh, nine or ten when the Huntley era started going out. Perfect age. Perfect age. Ah. So he, he saw the first Dalek serial and then um, his family emigrated to Australia um, under under the ten under the ten pound ten pound pom, ten pound pom, pom yeah. scheme, and uh, he, he he and the brothers and sisters and cousins were sent first, and the parents didn't join them for like a year, so they were living <laughs> they were living in a, they were it living was in a different time. It was yeah. a different time. <laughs> right. So, 1964, Doctor Who doesn't reach Australia till 1965. Yes. So when new kids arrive from the UK. He and his he and his siblings and his cousins would be quizzing them on what's happening on Doctor Who. What can we look forward to? <laughs> and um, first of all, oh my! For them, oh my God, the Daleks are, came back, <laughs> and right. that part was, oh, we hardly believe this. Yeah, and then Susan stayed behind, and uh, uh, he he wrote. He, I remember he wrote this in a fanzine, and he's like. The child who told us that Susan left TARDIS ended up being hit with Cousin Anne's stilts. <laughs> <laughs> because it's like, well, that can't be true. <laughs> but, you know, that was the power of it. You know, these kids yeah, had wow. seen, um, yeah, yeah. say, maybe yeah. the... I think, I think he said they left England during Marco Polo. 
Uh, right. Oh, okay, right, right. So they'd seen maybe 20 episodes of this show. Yeah. And yep. yet, here they are a whole world away. They have no idea it's ever gonna, if it's ever going to come out over here. Yes. And yet they're like, what, what, when it comes, what, what do we need to have caught up on? You know, yeah, what right. do we need to yeah. know about it? It, 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 and, and the Daleks, as Nathan says, what part of that, that imitability, you ran around the playground as them, um, you imagined what a Dalek would do and what a Dalek would be like. Yes. And it's kind of fascinating that, um, children and older science fiction fans as well will latch on to these homogenous villain characters. I've thought a lot over the years about these people who get dressed up as stormtroopers from Star Wars yeah, yeah, and yeah. go out and do great things in the community while dressed as fucking space <laughs> Nazis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just as a faceless drone. Yeah, as a faceless drone. Re- yeah, yeah. It's, it's very it is, Yeah, it is weird. No, you're right. Yeah, and to me too, I mean, you guys could probably speak to this, but was the, the Dalek episode, that was the one that kicked Doctor Who over the post, goalpost in terms of like, Oh yeah. shit! This is this is yeah. Because the first one is about cavemen. Okay, yeah. whatever. Yeah. And then yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and then yeah. Is it a third episode order originally, and so it ends with the Daleks, or it, it ends with, with the edge of destruction, edge of destruction. brink of disaster? Yeah. It was a thirteen-episode order. Yeah. They were planning to go straight into Marco Polo off the back of the Daleks and just going. Well, once we've built the sets, you might as well let us finish <laughs> the story. Yeah. Um, but the BBC basically said, "No, you need a two-parter to wrap it up in case we decide to cancel you." And also, yeah. Marco Polo needs more pre-production. So they were basically saying, "We might cancel you, but keep working on that next one." But we might cancel you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Yeah, but it, it is really the Daleks that ensures that we get the next 13-episode order followed by a 26-episode order. That starts wow. with Daleks again. That's, Daleks, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and ends with it's what I It's what, yeah. I, it, oh, it's what I call the, the um, Urkel Sheldon. You have a bunch of character. And, yeah, and you latch onto the thing, and yeah. you either fucking on board with it or you leave the show. What do you want to do? <laughs> um, um, but it's like that. They got lightning in a bottle with mm. with the Daleks. But again, the interesting thing for me then is is it's 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 pitched as a kid show. Uh, it's 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 a kid show with a old family figure that goes back in time. But the lightning in a bottle, the Urkel moment is is fear. It's scary. Yeah. And is that? And do you think? And because to me, I don't think the show set out to be, because the classic dichotomy with Doctor Who is it's a couch TV show. You watch it from behind your couch. Uh, Stephen Moffat, I thought, got that 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 part of it really, really, yeah. really, really well, and he ex- expressed it in coupling as well. Like the, when the the couples have a fight about sofa cushions on the couch, saying sofa cushions are good for a couch. Uh, you know, couch is good for one thing: sitting on. And Daleks and jumps behind the, <laughs> the couch and 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 um but he really, and that was Muffet. Muffet really got that for a kids show it's fucking scary yeah. and I think and is that to me is like I think I always thought the Doctor who fell into that by accident because their big Urkel was horror yeah. and so from that point from that point onwards I had to sort of fight that um that balance. Yeah, it's scary, but not too scary. I mean, it was an adventure thing, and in the first series, there's in the first serial, there's jeopardy, isn't there, to motivate Mm. the yeah, exactly, yes. But being properly scary and and weird and alien, which was always possible in the, but I mean, the next time they go to an alien planet, it's the sense sphere, and the aliens aren't that scary. Oh, the next time they go to an alien planet, it's your favorite. It's Marinus. (laughs) I love that so (laughs) much. Brains in (laughs) general. Um, so bad. I think. I, I think also um, the success 
of the Daleks in terms of fear is it's safe to be afraid of something unreal. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Where, whereas, you know, watching this back-to-back with an unearthly child, the the jeopardy from the cavemen, um, particularly Carl and a little bit Zar, is very unpleasant because we know what humans do to each other. Yeah. And, you know, right, yeah, and, yeah, okay, and yeah. Barbara is gazed upon very lasciviously. Um <laughs> Leviciously, I, I never I know, know how you to got it right. I, got it. Yeah. <laughs> I um, think they were just admiring her hair, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> and, 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 a lot of back comb. Zar does sort of reach out to her hair, like, "What the hell is this? <laughs> I'm wearing a wig." Um, but you know, it, it's kind of like watching those scenes of, of fear is kind of uncomfortable, whereas. Yeah. It, it, it's safe to be scared of the Daleks because yeah, right. you c- you can think you can think as much as you like. There might be a Dalek in your cupboard or mm. under the bed or whatever, but there's never going to be. Whereas mm. there could be a human being who's broken into your house trying to do you harm. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, and that and that I think makes them safer for children than. And this is something that becomes a debate in Doctor Imitable real violence. Yeah. Like, kids playing Daleks in the playground in the 1960s can stick out their arm and go, shh, you're paralysed now. Yeah. Um, whereas, and they were thinking about it with an unearthly child. Um, in the second episode, there's a big fight with lots of music and what have you. But if you actually watch it, no one throws a punch. No one throws any sort of hit mm. they all just grab each other and move around the screen yeah you know <laughs> so they they were thinking about that imitability in right. positive and negative terms on doctor who and when doctor who gets trouble in trouble in the future it's always well what if a child reenacts this well like immediately right. after this serial where <laughs> yeah. susan goes at, at ian with some scissors <laughs> in the first episode of uh, uh the destruction um yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. I also think another genius thing that they do to make it safe for kids to be scared of them is to open up the uh, the the prop and then yes. pull the thing out and then get Ian to sit in the prop yes. and do the voice and stuff like mm. that. Yes. And like yeah. that's sort of tense in theory because they're trying to escape yeah. the thing, but in fact that kind of defangs it a little bit. It makes them yeah. safe to be scared of. I remember thinking, this is, this is yeah, I remember, this is fast forwarding a little bit, but one of the scariest, anything to do with Dracula fucking did me as a kid, and there's the, the, the Rocks of Blood, what do you call it? It's a Tom Baker yes, episode. With Stones these, of Blood. These, the Stones of Blood, right. These, these plastics, these plastic stones <laughs> dra- dra- Man, two I think, I think you'll find blood. they were fiberglass. <laughs> oh, sorry, the fiberglass, sorry. On wheels, on coasters and wheels. Drain, drain, drain the blood of two campers. And I was terrified. It's really scary, that scene. It's scary. Yeah. Oh, I mean, my these, God. These these rocks kick the shit out of canine. Like, what the? <laughs> I was like, what? That was, and then the other one was um the actual vampire episode with Romano, with the, yeah. uh, where they find the vampires. It's like, that to me is when it was like getting like, uh, it's getting too real. Because to me, Dracula was a, mm. 
that thing of like he's not real but he's a guy with the teeth that can bite your neck yeah, which yeah. a guy can bite your neck yeah um um so yeah that's that's really interesting yeah and i don't know that's something with yeah yeah it's, yeah. Sat- <laughs> it's saturday night soon I mean. <laughs> if, you, if you don't know the social point um, um but yeah that's i mean and i know that's the battle the doctor always fought was when i got in trouble with the senses is that they they pushed a little too far one way or the other mm. um and it's all down to taste and whatever but ah, interesting So I think this is Sorry. probably a good point to kind of look at when we next see the Daleks in the Hartnell era, era which we've already talked about with uh, the Daleks invasion of Earth. And for me, I feel like this serial is what cemented their reputation yeah. in the pop culture. Um, it's, this, as I said, the second serial from, uh, it would have been the second serial, sorry, from William Hartnell's second season as the Doctor. Mm. Um, and it's another weighty six episodes um, in total. It's not like the two or the four that we've been, that has been kind of formulaic. So once again, the dialects appear and it's got a fair amount of episodes back, backing it up. <clears throat> I am, I have to say at this point, though, I'm, I am still chuckling at your uh, Jane um with the Daleks uh, emerging from the watery depths by the way um which you spoke about in uh, your flight through entirety uh, <laughs> series like that yeah it was I, I, I couldn't stop and I can't now watch that scene without thinking of Daniel Craig so I, <laughs> I, 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 I um, so, um, the sexy Dalek <laughs> the sexy Dalek it's so funny. Um, the dog with the so anyway, but when, he's when got he's... jug ears and Dalek <laughs> <Chuggers> bumps. Dalek bumps. Oh, it's it's seriously oh, can't shake awesome. it. Um, that's so, so awesome. So when we do meet the Daleks again, though, we're no longer on Scarra, as we said, um, and the horror of their extermination mantra has brought them closer to home, to our own home. Um, and with the iconic images of the dialects around uh, London as well that would be emblazoned on the minds of families in the UK. Um, so bringing that threat really close to home, I think, is part of that stroke of genius about where do we take these creatures next. Um, and this choice to place them around London's iconic tourist spots such as Trafalgar Square would um, have uh, be a massive publicity stunt, essentially. Um, that paid off in a massive, massive way. Um, and the Daleks, uh, we're basically saying that the Daleks were here and they were front and centre. Um, but there are a couple of things that stood out for me um, besides this kind of glitz and glamour kind of way of showing the Daleks in a, in a new light um, within the London scene. It's firstly you get the real set. This is where I was saying earlier, this is where you first real get a sense of that kind of Nazi inspiration yeah. coming through. Um, especially with like you, you see the salutes part at one point on the steps. Yeah, yeah. Um, in, in is is it um, Trafalgar Square? I think. I think it is in Trafalgar yeah. Square. I want to say it is, and you start seeing that kind of like salute kind of image that they do, um, and uh, the rounding up of humans for their own gain through like and using them for manual labour in order to do what they want to do, which unfortunately has the weak kind of plot hole is to. Uh, burrow a, a core down into into the, the sorry uh, to bury down into the, the earth's core is part of what they're doing um which they kind of drive when you realize that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a bit of a weird, weird we can 
best yeah. convertible ever. <laughs> <laughs> And just still species that can't drill a hole. <laughs> well, they can't climb stairs at this point, hole. can they? Um, no, yeah. not yet. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, not at this stage, no. But but interestingly as well, just thinking about the super holes that the Russians um, used to do as well. So there is kind of still tying back to this potential kind of communist kind of notion in the mix as well. Um, but anyway, that's an aside. Uh, but if you add to the way uh, all these kind of elements and add to the style in which this particular serial is shot in um, and, the, and the way the narration is told using some of this kind of French new wave style um, mm. approach um, that they were tapping into um, for their storytelling and up in the angst and fear, mainly with shots of Barbara th- running through like these um, desolate uh, industrial landscapes just adds more so uh, to that fear factor i felt um but what were your thoughts on on the serial day if we're looking purely at the whole uh, six episode run of the diet's invasion of earth so there's a sort of subgenre of english uh literature which is the what if the nazis won the second world war yeah and it's still popular that's what this is yeah. isn't it and mm. so you have food shortages yeah. you have people collaborating with the um Betrayal. Yeah, yeah. betrayal. Yeah, and yeah. people, you know, people betraying each other for food. So, um, yeah. You've got the Dalek Commandant who has a sort of octopus pet. Yeah. There, like in the Second World War. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> but, and I think that, that that comes across in the film as well. So it is being broadcast mm. into a world. When does rationing stop? Sort of. 1978 or something like it's very late it's much later than you think perhaps not yes it is yeah um and so and and so all of this i think is very present and is playing on those fears as well yeah that's the thing you don't have to go back that far from here um for london to be in exactly the state we see it in this episode, the physical state, you know, the ruined buildings. Like, the ruins they're yeah. running through in this are buildings that have not been rebuilt in, <laughs> At that in point. 18 yeah. years. Yeah. You know, because yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yes. so, there was so much to repair and so much to fix. So, mm. the parents of the children watching this, not even the grandparents, the parents of the children watching this would have been children at the time. That happened. And that strengthens the Nazi allegory, as, as mm, you were saying, yeah. Nathan. I, th- I think what, what else it does in that first episode is the first episode does exactly what the first episode of their first story did, <laughs> which is it gives you this scary location where the location itself is scary, except yep. now the location is home. Yeah. And yeah, home yeah. is scary. and. Yep. Dumping bodies in the river is a big enough problem that you have to have a yeah, sign fine. up. You yeah. know, it's like the signs you see in shops. Can you wear a mask, please, when you're talking to our staff? You know, that's how commonplace <laughs> dumping bodies yeah. in the river yeah. is. Yeah. And it yeah, still is. Still is. You know, I, um, I I got rid of a few this morning. You know, yeah, yeah. Were, so, is there like a Karen back there? That goes, what the fuck I like. Oh, yeah. but, you know, they, they, they were just taking up too much you space. You can't dump that body here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I can film you too. I can film you too, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that that whole thing, um, it, it's kind of Doctor Who going, it, it's then, but it's now, yeah. and yeah. it's in the yeah. future yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. And it, yeah. it represents a really interesting shift for Doctor Who itself in yeah. that, what glimpses we saw of humanity's future in that first season 
whether they actually be humans or whether they be like the Thals or the Marinians or whatever, is basically optimistic. Like, yes. um, the Thals are going to rebuild their civilization. Um, the um, Altos and Sabitha go off um, not to get married and have lots of children because no, he's because very so obviously gay. gay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, and th- the big one, though, is the Sensorites. The Sensorites has a massively yeah. optimistic view of humanity's future in that, yeah, there are humans in the story who are causing it, but it's clearly defined that these are humans who um, have serious mental health issues and they're going to be helped, and the humans who come to fix that situation you know, are, are kind of treated horribly and whatnot, but at the end of it they go, well, no, we want to be your friends because that is what humanity's like in the future. Mm-hmm. From... The Dalek invasion of Earth onwards, humanity's future is a lot greyer than that. It's like, yeah, we survive, but we get invaded. And, um, you know, in a story we'll discuss uh, shortly, uh, there's corruption at the highest level of our space government. You know, that kind of thing. Um, And, yeah, it it creates a, a lot more of a nuanced series. Like, if every time we went into Humanity's Future, it was like the Sensorites and everyone yeah. was very upstanding and very honest, like unless Star there's Trek. something really wrong with them. It's Star Trek. It'd be like Star Trek. Really Star Trek. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, and... Yeah. Now, I'm I'm a Star Trek fan, don't get me Love wrong. Star Trek. But, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's kind of like in Star Trek... If someone goes bad, it's the pro- it's the thing of the whole episode. Despite the fact, if you if you've got an admiral you've met once, they're probably gonna go bad. <laughs> you know, they're probably they're probably overweight. They're probably <laughs> overweight. <You know? laughs> so they, they, they don't survive. They haven't sold obesity in the twenty fourth century. No. Yeah, um, I, uh, and they're gonna be corrupt. Yeah. Yeah, I do love though that with Admiral Nechayev, it's like no, Admiral Nechayev is not evil. Admiral Nechayev is just an asshole. No, she's <laughs> fabulous. She's, she's, fa- just, oh, she's, just she's fabulous. Don't get me wrong. She's, but she's not evil. <laughs> she's not evil. She's just an asshole. Serverland, the Serverland's evil and an asshole and fabulous. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but here, you don't have to be in command of something to be an asshole. You know, there there are horrible humans and there are good humans, and sometimes the good humans are actually really mean and gruff. Yeah, yeah. And mm. sometimes Jenny. is it Jenny? Jenny I and hate Jenny and but Tyler. Jenny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Mm. So that's the other thing that's <laughs> happening here is that it's Day of the Triffids, isn't it? Um, yes. So yes. Day of the Triffids, mm-hmm. yep. nineteen fifty one. Um, yes. So. Uh, and that's very, very definitely what's going on here and what Terry Nation wants to do. So he's able to kind of... Because everything started before the Doctor, Ian, and Barbara and Susan arrive. So th- the invasion's happened already. It's been lost. And and the Daleks are in control. So they don't fend off an alien invasion, which is what the Doctor will tend to do later. They arrive yes. after it's been successful. And so yes. they see a society yeah. that's sort of decimated and where people are desperate. And so even our good guys are cynical and and so on. And that's absolutely what Terry Nation's interested in. And he'll go on and yeah. like, he'll pull the same crap in survivors uh, in the seventies yeah. and in yeah. Blake seven, you know, where yeah, the, yeah. the people are kind of bad people and, and bitter and cynical and, and, and kind of desperate. Tr- don't trust each other. Or yeah, like, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You, you get that in spades among the resistance group. Um, the, mm 
you know, Barbara and and um and Susan end up joining. Mm. And even Terry Nation's first episode of The Avengers is called Invasion of the Earthmen and it's about a bunch of blonde, doe-eyed, Aryan um teenagers uh preparing to invade space. It's really fucking awful. Um, <laughs> really? That yeah. sounded awesome. <laughs> your, your synopsis kind of did it for me. It, it, it's, like, it's like the third episode Hitched they up. make. This is the third episode they make with Linda Thorson, whom I love. Don't get me wrong, but they ditch the other two episodes they made before that and recall the previous producer who had been fired. It's like, please fix it. We broke it. We don't know what went wrong. Um. Uh, but yeah, it it's it's but it's full it's full of Terry Nation isms like um, Captain Hopper from Tomb of the Cybermen gets threatened by a snake in the pre-titles, and then Tara has to crawl through a deadly obstacle course with mashes and yeah. gas and all sorts <laughs> of things. Um, but yeah, yeah, even there, Terry Terry's going. Or oh, is humanity the real villain? I am very deep. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is kind of it. And to be fair, the original novel is that. Like, the original Day of the Triffids, once all the fun sort of stops and people are blinded and all of that sort of thing. Yeah, uh, after the surgeon has chucked himself out the window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. After all that happens. It just settles down to sort of various different groups of people setting up societies in various ways. And then if John Wyndham doesn't approve of those societies, the Triffids come in and kill them all. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's like polyamory, no. He Universities, take, no. He does take out some very strict Christians as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. He, he, yeah. He's like my, he's like my, he's like my brother. He's an equal opportunity misanthrope. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're all very bad, says John Wyndham. <laughs> uh, but are the Daleks any different? Does something new happen to the Daleks? I mean, they they get out and about a bit more. I, I really, I think it is. It is solidifying the the Nazi imagery, such yeah. as the Nazi salute. Yeah. And I think it's in the final episode they use the words the final solution. Right. You know. Subtle oh, as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's like we it's, also uh, yeah. we're also first sorry, we're also first introduced to the Black Dalek, the Supreme Control yeah, yeah. Um, mm. in So they have a hierarchical system. So you get this hierarchical kind of notion for the like more prominently this time around, which I find quite interesting. Sorry, mm. you were going to say something, Brendan. Oh no, no, like that 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 was that was part of it as well. You know, there there is a clear structure. Yeah. They report to each other, and there is there is a military bent to them this time. You know, they they have right. a plan. It's not yeah, just years, yeah. it's not just them reacting to someone invading their city. They are they are proactive. Um, they have they have conquered yes. Earth, um, and they you know they're kind of they're kind of conniving. You know, um, if if you come out, your lives will be spared. It's like no, we're going to send you down a mine and work you to death. Um, mm. And even the very first shot is someone freeing themselves from mental control and immediately killing themselves. Yeah, yeah, because yes. because mm. it, it because it's better than facing the world. 
you know, through mm. the ruin of a city walked a ruin of a man. Yeah. Is the first line of the novelization from Terence Dix. And so Good old many, Terrence. Yeah. So many Doctor Who <laughs> creatives quote that as something they read as a child. And I'm thinking Gary Russell, I'm thinking Russell T. Davies. Really? Basically oh, wow. all the Russells. Um, <laughs> Although if your name's Russell and Terrence. Yeah. <laughs> Terence Crest was But actually, in terms of how the guns work, again, because I'm, I'm talking about the deep stuff like you two are, uh, was, it, was, it fire, was it fire extinguishers at this point? Not, the, the movie the movie was fire extinguishers, wasn't yeah, it? The yeah, movie the movie was movie. fire extinguishers. On the TV, um, it was just the gun end had a sort of... Plun- uh, it had a sort of mini plunger mechanism that phased in and out. Flares out. And then you, and then you, cut, to the, you cut to the target and they... Is it death by inverse video? Yeah, yeah, is it death by negative? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Um, yeah, there wouldn't be any Dalek rays rays. until, um, until I want to say Genesis. Yeah, I think it might be. I think, I think, I think you're right. I think Genesis was the one. The first time somebody thought, let's put a laser beam in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you know that. like, each one of those laser beams took an inordinate yeah, amount of time in post-production. <laughs> Every so often, the end of them would coincide with the end of the gun as well, which is pretty Yeah! Cool. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it didn't match up. It match up. It's, it's, it's four o'clock, it's Friday, it's close. But that's what I remembered from the movie was that, oh, fire extinguishers are very lethal. I didn't know, was it a gas? Was it a laser? I didn't Yeah, understand. no, I think it was a fire mm, extinguisher. Yeah, and it, yeah, obviously, yeah, they've got yeah. a movie budget and they can make it all yeah. a little bit yeah. better. I, I think yeah. um, uh, by the time of the Savages, they've figured out how they can do that on television because right. the, the light guns of the Savages actually send out a gas. Right. Um, which, okay, right. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's hard to tell. There's so little moving footage from that, but it is referenced. It is referenced ah, okay, right. And, of course, you know, by the time the Troughton era rocks around, it's like everything that attacks you is either a gas or a foam. Yeah, the BBC <laughs> foam machine. <laughs> Oh, Jamie! Oh, the smoke! Oh, the foam! <laughs> so great. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love it. I love it, too. All right, so uh, a couple of uh, talking points from this particular serial, then, before we move on to the next one. Mm. Um, I wanted to ask the, And I, I'm surprised we haven't mentioned the, the slither. Um, <laughs> this uh, tentacled kind of Lovecraftian type of monster that served the Daleks. Um is this the only time we see the Slytherin in the series entirety? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And yeah. We never mention it again. Yeah, um, I, think yeah. I wanted to say that too, but I wasn't. It's really crappy, actually, and I think it's a different <laughs> prop in the second episode that it appears in. Yeah, they it, they add, they add more <laughs> bits to it in yeah. the second episode because they're like yeah, that's they really so unimpressive, terrible. and then it, it comes just wobbles. It yeah. sort of stands there and wobbles, and it's not even wobbling threateningly. It's just <laughs> <laughs> um, and, but Terry Nation also does like that sort of thing and so i know, you know yeah the next serial that we talk about will have the Maya beasts which are mm. low effort rubber octopuses yeah uh, yes. very similar vein yeah and and of, and of course terry day should also puts in they see some alligators <laughs> stock footage <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and um it's it's kind of like you know terry nation is doing his thing where the the first Dalek story, you have four episodes, um, which is, you know, character-driven science fiction and reaction and, you know, yes. really, really well-observed but censored for tea-time viewing. Um, 
uh, treatment of radiation sickness and what it and what it does to the what it does to the body. Um, and then the last three episodes are oh, and now there's a chasm. Oh, and now there's an octopus. Oh, we need to get past this obstacle. Um, and very wisely, uh, Terry sort of puts that in the middle two episodes where there's lots of obstacles to get past, and it just so happens to be the episode where William Hartnell got injured and had to take a week off. So it's like oh yes. well, now he doesn't have to do that. <laughs> he got injured. He got injured. Well, he 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 was actually dropped on a camera. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Um, yeah. dur- well, you rehearsal. would though, wouldn't yeah, you? you would. Um, <laughs> oh dear. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, that that just reminds me of something I find particularly horrific in this story, um, yeah. and it is it is the lead up to that absence of William Hartnell, and it's after yeah. everyone's escaped from the Dalek saucer, and David and Susan are hiding, and they hear someone running away from a Dalek and screaming at them. And I think it's, you know, you killed my brother. Why did you do that? And they hear a Dalek gun and they hear a scream and David and Susan just clutch each other and hide their heads. And, you know, we've seen Daleks shoot people. That is not too horrific to show, but I think by having Susan, who is the identification figure for the children at home, having her react to it, um, you know, part of the DNA of Doctor Who is the companion is there to tell the audience what they should be feeling. Yeah, and yes. that is that is so effective because you know in the very next scene, Susan is trying to lift David's spirits by saying, "Oh, you know, we we, we can take away and we can fly away," and and David's yeah. the one saying, "No, we stay here and we rebuild Earth. You can you can That's fly right. off somewhere." Um, that like it it's easy to make fun of Terry Nation, and he makes it very easy. But at the same time, he does understand human psychology. And he's at his best when he's writing that, in, in, in my opinion. And it's, it's almost like when he writes monster dialogue, he's kind of going, Dear David Whittaker, they arrest them, take them on ship, you come up with something. You know? <laughs> and, and, and of course, famously, he would write things like um, uh, the Daleks take them into a white featureless room. They walk down a white featureless corridor. And Raymond Cusick <laughs> said, it was talking to him one day and he said, so what do you want me to do with this? And and Terry said, oh, I, look, by that point, I couldn't really think of anything. You know, you can... You can it, it, it's white features, yeah. it's futuristic, it's a, or you can put something in it. There could be a table. <laughs> um, do, do what you like. <laughs> and that was another thing with Ray, Ray Dusek. It's like, he would give me scripts with no description of the set. <laughs> yeah. It's a collaborative effort. It's a collaborative yeah, effort. Look, I mean, by the time he was writing series one of Blake Seven, he was just making a few rough notes on the back of a restaurant menu. Yeah. <laughs> He, there, there giving was a, him to the script editor. He uh, yeah, very yeah. economical in his use of the biro. A white, <laughs> yeah. There, there, you know, there's a white featureless man standing on the bridge <laughs> having a headache, and that becomes a whole episode. <laughs> yeah, Gan. I love it. I love it. <clears throat> okay, so the the other point though is the departure of Susan that I want to touch on. And interestingly, I was thinking about the idea of abandonment because that's essentially mm. what the doctor's doing mm. at the end. She's, she was the first one to leave. She was yeah. the first one to yeah. leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, so this is the first time the concept is yeah, made we, available. We didn't even know that that thing that, that could happen. Could happen. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But like yeah. they, they try and bill it in a way or, or in a way that she's now a liberated person and she's free to make these choices by herself. But the manner in which um, Hartnell's doctor does it, it is abandoning his granddaughter. He right? absolutely he, to... he locks the door on her, doesn't he? Yeah. 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 yeah like, and I was looking up signs of PTSD of abandonment, right? Okay. <laughs> I found this quite interesting. Can I just pause? Because, pause the, uh, of the nearest Scotsman. Surgeons of horror have never been this deep. I talk about, <laughs> about the colours of different people's laser guns, and you're fucking talking. Well, there's okay. no colour. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, no colour. There's no colour. <laughs> no, because, oh my because God, like, we, just... I, I think it's interesting that like we when we look at new the new era of the doctor we still have yet to find out what has happened to susan it's like yeah. and i think it's a hard character to to pick up again to go well yeah. what happened to her because i mean yeah she was do you know what i mean like because it, it changed it will change the whole concept because she's theoretically um related well, well yeah she to well doctor. if she had but but, but when she left with David, she was human, right? That's as far as the writers were concerned and all that. Yeah. And then they had the rec- they had to recon it that oh no, she's not because she is biologically a time lord. Therefore, what happens when yeah, yeah she outlives her husband? Mm. Um, I think it's a fascinating story. I'm sure, like I'm guessing, a thousand one different fandom. Yeah. Yeah, like there's, so, there's books where she meets the Delgado master, there's audios right. from Big Finish where she meets Paul McGann's doctor, um, there's a short story from Eric Saywood that explains she's actually the Lady Lan, uh, a Time right. Lord oh, noble God. who had to, yeah, yeah thanks right, Eric. Right, right, right. Um, <laughs> no, I, I would say to listeners, if, if, um, Oh, and also there was a comedy sketch where she's played by Jane Asher and has PTSD. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, and that's on the DVD. <laughs> all right, all right, cool. Um, but if, if 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 listeners do want to check out what a canonical version of what happened to Susan, because um, you know one was done by BBC Books and one was done by Big Finish, they're both certified by the BBC. I would suggest um, the Big Finish audio she turns up in. So first of all, there's an earthly child. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, nice and title. and then she turns up in uh, relative dimension. Sorry, relative dimensions. No, no, that's oh, wrong. Yeah, God, it's God. terrible. Is that a real time? No, that's that's a book. Oh, okay. Um, okay. She turns up in a big finished <laughs> Christmas special whose name I can't remember, but I I, th- I think it might be Relative Dimensions because it's about the Doctor and Susan and her son. Their relation. They're all right. P- playing, having Christmas also together, relatives. and then she then she turns up in in a big Dalek um, two parter. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting because at the time when people left. Uh, British series, it either wasn't referred to on screen and the character was just replaced, right? Um, or it it was sort of a it was sort of a joyous thing. And the nearest thing I can sort of think of at this yeah. point is on a Blackman leaving the Avengers, and yeah. it's not explicitly I'm never going to see you again. But Steed comes in and to give her a mission, and she says, No, 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 I'm going on holiday. Um, I'm go- I'm going to the Bahamas and I'm going to be pu- I'm going to be pussyfooting on golden shores, you know, as a as a sly reference <laughs> yeah. to her playing pussy galore. Um, yeah. Whereas this is a bit more like what we would come to expect from a soap opera. It's it's high emotion yeah. Yeah. and it's played mm. as yeah. a noble act, 
And, yeah. and David says, you know, he knew you couldn't leave him, so he left you. But strangely missing from this is Susan's opinion. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, don't I be stupid, man. <laughs> I think it's bad, and I think it's right. inept. Like, yeah. I just think right. it, there's no way of really making it work or making it make sense within the sort of world of the story. Mm. Um, mm. And I just yeah. think we... Uh, one of our listeners, one of FTE's listeners, um, uh, came up with a concept that we call Andrew Hodson's contract roulette, which is <laughs> you will leave the TARDIS um, on what it, for whatever planet and or time period you are on when your contract runs out. And so that's, <laughs> that's essentially why she like, leaves the doctor. Yeah. And we have to come up with a thing, you know, like, and yeah. I don't know. I mean, why would they not just... Would Susan look like a bad person if she abandoned her grandfather or something mm. like that? And yeah. I just mm-hmm. think that kind of the interpersonal storytelling is not really at, at a complex enough level at this point yeah. that they're yeah. all just playing story roles. And so there's no there there. There's nothing to really understand or learn from that at all. It's just like, oh, you know, Carol Ann's done and uh, yeah. we've got Maureen waiting in the next room. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> you'll have to leave her behind. And, and the, the thing that's so amazing about it is part of the reason Carol Ann wanted to leave was the character was underdeveloped. Yeah. Like, she was promised yeah. Yeah. a Kathy Gale-type character and she was going to be yeah. telepathic and she was going to occasionally kick people in the face. Um, yeah. Instead, <laughs> she was just sort of panicky idiot number one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and... And for then, for, for it to then go, okay, we're going to give you no, like, we're going to give your character no say in her own exit. When there could have been a line after David says he knew you could never leave him, she could have agreed. Yeah. She's like, yes, of course yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I wanted to yeah. leave, but okay, it, obviously yeah, he doesn't yeah. need me anymore. And what's really interesting is Nathan's uh, Nathan's already alluded. We've got Maureen O'Brien coming in next week as Vicky, um, yeah. who fulfills again plot function fulfills the function of Susan as the granddaughter type character when it comes time yeah. for her to leave she leaves to get married as well yeah yeah it's her decision but we don't see the conversation with the doctor she bundles him into the TARDIS she says I have something to tell you and a few seconds later she comes out and walks away and he pops his head out and watches her go Yes. And it's kind of like, okay, And then their whole city gets burned to the ground. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but, yeah, but they're over like... the next hill by then, and, yeah. Sha- and Shakespeare writes a comedy about them. So, yeah. <laughs> I've never seen Troilus and Cressida. I'm assuming it's a comedy. Um, laugh a minute. But but yeah, it's it's interesting that even given the opportunity for the for the character of Vicky to say, no, I'm leaving and this is why, they go, no, 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 we're not going to write that, that dialogue. Yeah. That's not what the people want to see. Yeah, yeah. 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 Or it's Terry can't view. do it because he will yo, yo, do you that run, yeah. in, the next, in the next episode. He will, uh, in the next story, uh, at, at yeah. the next departure, yeah, that's true. he will actually avoid showing us the crucial conversation that takes place because it's I think not a the good sort point, of thing I he think. wants to do. It's just not yeah. what I want to do. Because mm. I'll say, it doesn't improve because I remember uh, Leela 
Yes. Yeah. She holds a hand. She holds a hand with a security guard. Apparently, they've had sexual tension this whole time. Okay. <laughs> and, and that's it. So this strikes me as very BBC at the no, time. It's contract yeah, yeah, yeah. It's exactly what yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah. We don't care. Yeah, yeah. And, and we don't have the money or the thought that we could just shoot a scene on a street somewhere. You know, yeah. like, a, like you could drop someone off at the end of an episode now in the series because you would just send them back home. You wouldn't have to mount a whole new production yeah. to take them home. Yeah, and and it's kind of yeah. like, um, and I th- I think it starts here with Susan. The mantra for actresses playing Doctor Who companions when they leave is "Don't marry me off." Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Maureen yeah. O'Brien didn't want Vicky married off. Um, right, yeah. Louise Jameson absolutely did not want yeah, Leela yeah. married off. You know what I mean? Mm. And they kind of stop doing it until they get to Nicola Bryant. And Nicola Bryant is also, <laughs> give me a memorable exit and don't marry me off. <laughs> and they do both those things and then oh, retract a- one of them, but not the one she didn't <laughs> exactly. want. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was a real kick in the teeth. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, that yeah. Was yeah. Ending for her was like, yeah. it was beyond... So in any of the canon stuff for Susan, does has, has she ever regenerated or she's always been Caroline? She's always been Caroline Ford. Like even oh, yeah. even that comedy sketch I mentioned where she's played by Jane Asher. There's no like yeah. it's, it's just because yeah, yeah. they didn't funny. ask Caroline Ford. And right, with right, the greatest right, right. respect to Caroline Ford, I imagine the director probably went, I've got Jane Asher. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah. You know, yeah, it's likely to get yeah, some yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. out of this. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and also, you know, <laughs> Caroline Ford, despite the fact she's critical of how the character develops, she's very protective of her time on the show and probably would have gone, I'm not doing that. Yeah. You know, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not yeah, going to yeah. disrespect Bill, yes. the memory of Bill, yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. because, because it, is, it, is, it is very funny and, like, you, it's got... You know, they talk. They talked to Ian, and he developed a drinking problem to cope with the fact that he couldn't explain <laughs> where he'd been for two years oh, and man. why that student he got the address for had disappeared. Yeah, <laughs> I never really thought of that. No. Yeah, I knew me neither. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. on the carpet. Oh wow! <laughs> the other thing too, I find is acting like directing is a is like a it's a muscle. If you don't exercise it. Yeah. Um, it, it, it is just noticeable how yeah not good you are anymore. So she um, does come yeah. back for the for the twentieth anniversary. Special. I did see that. Yeah, yeah. I thought she's right there. That they don't and they don't they just gloss over it and treat they do. It just like it's yeah. like oh we've got Caroline back doing a turn like she yeah yeah, yeah the Doctor yeah. Grandfather yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but barely interacts yeah. with him really. She yeah. spends most of the time locked up in the TARDIS with Turlow for some reason. Mm, mm. She just does. Don't know what to do with her. Yeah. Yeah, and she didn't even has a just have a moment to see her grandfather's future yeah. selves being young. And well, just, she and does just, she look yeah. at Peter Davison's bum or something like yeah. she does something like she something looks him like up that. and down. It's yes. kind of like oh, yeah. grandfather. But you know, <laughs> well, yeah, but even for Peter Davison to go. <laughs> <laughs> like, but yeah, it is that. Yeah, it's a weird. Yeah, so I mean, I have to gloss through stuff to get to the point. But yeah, there's yeah. just you think they could have had a nice moment with Peter looking at his granddaughter. Saying, "Look at you, and look yeah. at me." Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a big thing. With uh, this is a big question, which I shouldn't. Uh, but I'll ask it anyway. But um, Jodie, should um, should they have played more on the fact that she was a woman? Because I seem to be conscious of it yeah. that they they avoided that completely. Yeah, yeah. Like you I, know, they they touch on it in the Witchfinders, which is yeah. written by a woman, and it's a really successful conversation. Um. Yeah. Oh, Lord Byron kind of tries to hit on her, and she, you know, yeah, Yeah. again, written by a woman. Yeah, you know, yeah, 
Um, I just yeah. Put I can't, her I mean, in I can't, a frock. Yeah. Put her in a frock yeah, for yeah, God's sake. Yeah. Have her I, hate I, every I, second, and she has no pockets. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah all put, of that. I mean, that was one of the first memes that came out. It was yeah. like having an outfit that's no pockets. What the fuck? The other one I loved was when she talked to. Um, uh, Capaldi's last companion and says it's really hard being blah 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 and she just goes you're still white aren't you yeah it was just a really but yeah I just uh, I, I, I kind of got the reason why they he avoided uh, Chibnall that's his name avoided it but you kind of could not couldn't not avoid it you yeah. had to mm. you had to mm. dive head first into it and just go fuck it let's talk about it let's yeah. have a conversation and the thing is even Doctor Who at this point is having conversations about the traditional role of women yeah. And in this yeah. story, in the Dalek invasion of Earth, Barbara and Jenny are two massive drivers of the plot. Yes. And, you know, it's Barbara who takes over the Daleks' radio with, yeah. her, with her stuff. And she drives a car and into she, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a truck. She to- and She's so good. The movie takes that away from <laughs> yeah, Barbara. Yeah, I know. Bastards. They don't, yeah. they don't want to mess up Jill Curzon's hair. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't think you could. You just yeah. just headbutt a Dalek. Yeah. Right? It's a yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's but, a weapon. But yeah, yeah. It's like a Lego. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you know, the whole we've gone from Barbara being terrified by the first Dalek to ridiculing them, which yeah. is amazing when she has that whole like um you know, and the Indian mutiny. We are the masters of India. And she's like, I was talking about American Indians. And, you know, she is just totally running rings around them. And even when even when she's yeah, yeah, then caught sorry. and manacled, she's like, sorry, I thought that'd work. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Like, so it's kind of like the underwriting of Susan. It's, the underwriting of Susan always baffles me because it's like, it's like we can't have two strong women except if one of them's yeah. a guest star. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, mm. it, I mean, Jenny in the earliest versions of the script was Susan's replacement. But right. they decided not to go down that path because the character was too aggressive. And uh-huh. also because being created yeah. by a freelance writer, the BBC they would own, own them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When yeah, Vicky's, right, 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 yeah. right. When yeah, Vicky's yeah. introduced next week, uh, the writer is the script editor. Right, right. Working on staff, this, yeah. you're fine. I, just, I know this sounds so yeah. obvious, but does Terry own the Daleks? Uh, yes. Yeah, so Terry yes. owns so that's, the... That's, mm. yeah. So when the Daleks yeah. came back in the new series, there was a real chance that the Terry Nation estate wouldn't allow them to be used. Right. And right, 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 right. so that episode Dalek in the middle of that 2005 season uh, was at one point jokingly being referred to as absence of the Daleks, yes. I think, uh, by the scriptwriter. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, he'd had Love to it. redraft it for the Tokla right. and, and Yeah, right, 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 right. I think 23 versions in the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. You yeah. get to pay for one. And he never wow. came back. <laughs> no. No. Yeah, I can. I can imagine. <laughs> I, I've read somewhere because you do James Bond as well, don't you? Nathan? Yes. Yeah. I've read somewhere that the, I've read somewhere Spectre is owned by is it not owned yeah. by the Bond estate? Yeah. It is now. Yeah. It is now. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, a pricey of that for for the listener if if um if they're interested. Uh the novel Thunderball, um, was plotted out between um Ian Fleming, Kevin McClory. And Jack Winterbaum, I want to say, uh, I may have uh, Whittingham, Jack Whittingham, and uh-huh. pretty much it was plotted out during a rather drunken night. And nobody kept track of who 
uh, <laughs> who, who came up with what, which was fine for the novel. Um, they were, yeah. The other two writers were credited as the novel, but when it came time to do the film, uh, Kevin McClory said, well, I want to produce a credit and Jack's yeah. going to write right. the screenplay. Yeah. And right. as a producer, Kevin McClory retained the rights to remake Thunderball after 10 years and that's how we right. get Never Say Never Again. Never Say Again. Kevin McClory then went one step further and said, well, actually, I came up with Spectre and Blofeld. Right. Which is why Blofeld disappears from the films after Diamonds Are Forever, except for one yeah. little cameo where he's not named <laughs> yeah, in yeah, Your Eyes implied. Only and yeah, is yeah, killed yeah. off. Um, yes. But that's that's also why we got um, basically Quantum of Solace, the second Daniel Craig Bond film, yep. was meant to introduce Spectre, but the rights were all up in the air. And they just right. wrangled back the rights for Casino Royale, which were owned separately again. Yeah, 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 and yeah. and so they write, well, we're going to create our own secret organization with blackjack and hookers. And yeah, so they yeah. did. And then they're like, oh, no, we can get yeah, the rights back. back. And that's why, yeah. And by the yeah. time they get it back, they introduce Blofeld. And it's like people who've yeah. never seen a Sean Connery James Bond film go, who is that? Yeah. People who've seen every Bond film go, why is he there? Yeah. Um, <laughs> no. What's yeah. that? Yeah. But and and part part of that was lack of use. Um right. was, the, oh, was right. the reason that, that oh, got reverted. Right. Because oh. around the year two thousand, Kevin McClory tried to get a film called Warhead two thousand off the ground, which was another remake of Thunderball with Timothy Dalton. Really? Um, yeah, and couldn't and couldn't get finance because you know P- Pierce's Bond was really popular until his last. Yes, film. he was. Yeah, he um, was. Yeah. And yeah, and then you know he didn't use the rights for another ten years, and Eon successfully argued, "Well, we own everything bloody else. He can't yeah, do right. anything with it." Because he then, when the Daniel Craig films were really successful, he tried to do something, and Eon said, "No, no, no, we're not having any of this." You know, yeah, right. we a- we've actually had two periods of lean years where you could have done something and you didn't. You ju- mm. you're being a vexatious litigant now, and yeah, they got everything back. This is why oh, wow. Sony made the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man films, isn't it? Yes, it is. It was yeah, yeah. the trying to prevent the them losing Spider-Man. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, which yeah. all worked out for everybody well in the end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but. Um, and, and, oh, that's really fascinating. Yeah, and the 1994, okay. I want to say, Fantastic Four film, but yes, sorry, we are yes. getting off topic. <laughs> Which is what? Oh no, no, no! This is yeah, what I do to, to solve uncertainty. Horror. <laughs> this is totally. I, I warned you guys. This is what I do because I don't do the reading, and I'm, I'm feeling really <laughs> nah, nah. This, this Which, kind of, leads yeah. me leads me to kind of interject and say, now let's cut to the chase. Yes. Um, oh. And, Yay! And, is it the chase? <laughs> Which uh, and bring things back to to uh, the dialects again. Yes. So this was uh, the uh, second appearance of the dialects in the same season, so still season mm. two of the Harnel era, yeah. um, and it's coming towards the end of that, that cycle. Um, it's fundamentally a pursuit through time and space, essentially what we're seeing across the episodes, um, as the Daleks are seeking to capture the TARDIS and kill our heroes. It marks another significant point in Doctor Who folklore with the departure of Ian and Barbara. Um, we also see the return of the Black Dalek. Um, and um, I guess the talking points I want to look at are the mechanoids, so like the robot cube-shaped uh, cr- 
entities from the planet Mechanus, and that battle uh, towards the end of the da- um, uh, towards the end of the uh, serial with the Daleks. Um, <clears throat> the android replica of the Doctor, played by Edmund <laughs> Burick, um, and. Uh, also, uh, our appearances of uh, Dracula and Frankenstein's monster in the mix. Yes. Now, I, I would like to correct you. I think it's Art Dracula and a Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, is. it still comes to back, back down to these android forms. Yeah. So yes. all three of those um, areas of, of, of mm. villains that we come across are, are android replicate, replicate or robotic replicate. Oh, what am I trying to say? Replicas. Robot, Robot replicas. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> which, again, is a very nice thing, which we've touched upon. Like, the, the idea of this kind of non-human um, life force that is always a, a, a presence against the humans that we have interacting. It's this fascination that he has. Um, the mechanoids in particular, I found quite interesting of where that one, because, again, in that... Um, what's the name of the planet Mechanus um, where they find themselves on is again we get this kind of beautiful kind of city uh, land uh, sequence mm. that we see that they come into so this like alien life um, uh, planet uh, which down below is all these kind of organic matter or creatures or fungi that's kind of in the mix and above that is this kind of very pristine kind of city um, that's built with these robots um, what what were your thoughts on on the mechanoids here, and and in contrast to the Daleks, because that's essentially the climax. Mm. Uh, I think so. I don't think the mechanoids come off, and I think there's a reason why they're never used again. And yes. Partly it is they're absolutely fucking massive and can't fit into the studio <laughs> yeah, yeah. very easily compared to the Daleks. Like, they're big. Um, yeah. And they are robots and they talk like robots. You know, that sort of English input and are zero, yes. zero, stop. Is, you know, like they just sort of talk nonsense, and so there's nothing there. There's no there there, and and no. there there are attempts around the kind of, you know, the associated material, the comics and that sort of stuff to make them the Daleks' yeah. enemy, but that's not what they are here. Um, what are they here? They <laughs> they they do defeat the Daleks for us. They do defeat the Daleks for us. They're they're an early. They're an early version of Transformers or He-Man. It's we've got this toy idea. <laughs> we need to put it on television. Yeah. That's what they are. Like as as you say, they have no discernible character. They have no discernible motivation. No. And when they are brought back in the spin-off media, you have to attach other ideas to them. Yeah. Like they're the mortal enemies of the Daleks, or more recently in the Time Lord Victorious Daleks um, YouTube series. They, they, uh, the writers latch on to the idea that the mechanoids built that beautiful, um, uh, Dali esque city with all the yeah. with all the spires, yeah. and so the mechanoids 
are sort of machines with a concept of beauty, and the reason that they don't let the humans settle on the planet is the humans are going to spoil it. Yeah, well, yeah. Like they would have come with true. them, come come for them with flamethrowers. Yeah. yeah, and of course the the <laughs> other thing that the other thing that happens when you um when you bring them back for that is that they are voiced by women. They're voiced by Angelina Mahindra. Oh wow! And oh. Oh. I can't um Aisha uh, Aisha Antoine. Who is Dee Dee from Midnight? Oh, I love her so much. And um, <clears throat> you know, uh, it, it kind of uh, rehashes the joke of you know Daleks have no concept of elegance or beauty that Doomsday did. Um, but that that's the thing. Even even in those circumstances, they are defined as Daleks, but not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, they they seem to exist just because we're not going to have our crew able properly to deal with, you know, able to deal with the Daleks. Like, they can't have Barbara blowing them up or anything <laughs> like that. that. That's no good. Uh, and we do want them killed at the end. I think... Deus Ex Mechanus. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I, I, think, I think the really interesting thing about the chase, though, is it's... Every time the Daleks appear in the Hartnell era, the stakes get higher. Yes. And so... Yeah. They threaten the Thals and, you know, like, which is a handful of white people who eat fruit. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not, the stakes aren't that big. I've been to Bondi. Avalon. And then it's our home planet. You know, they've taken it over and destroyed everyone um, except a handful of white people in it's a theme. Um, and <laughs> it's and then in the chase, they're kind of threatening the show itself. You know, like, mm. it's the first time we have a time machine that isn't mm. the TARDIS. Mm. Uh, and it, yes. it's identical to the TARDIS. It does the same thing. It moves through the same kind of space. And so it's... And it's gaining on them. It's a chase, yeah. you know, every time mm. they appear. So the Doctor gets derailed from his normal kind of, I'm just having adventures for four weeks and then I'm going somewhere else because he has <laughs> the Daleks on 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 his tail. And so they're disrupting the very nature of the program. That's the threat. Uh-huh. They accelerate the show because instead of staying, solving a mystery, you know... Um, and then heading off, we can only arrive somewhere for, for sort of 25 minutes and then we have to go because the Daleks are on our tail. So they threaten to yeah. break the program. And I think that's interesting. And in a, in a story, you know, you're, we're going to want to talk about the, the Dracula and the Frankenstein and the mummy and stuff. You know, mm. in, a, in a story where the Doctor theorises that they've landed somehow in the human subconscious... <laughs> Which I think is great. Like, it's stupid. I do. But it's, I think it's fantastic. That's yeah, super yeah. interesting. We don't know at this point that the TARDIS can't do that. It's yeah. only the second that's year of the point. program. He's still yeah. human, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. exploring the boundaries. Yeah, exploring boundaries. Yeah, but I think, you know, given that we're close to exploding the program here, um, I think, you know, that's that's a pretty reasonable kind of supposition for yeah. Dr. Domain. And, you know, like, we're going to find out in... Um, not the next, not quite the next Dalek story, but also yes, the next Dalek story that we talk about. The Doctor doesn't know what movies are. You know, <laughs> of course, the Doctor doesn't know what a haunted house at a fairground is. You know, he's in a nineteen ninety six, isn't in it? In nineteen ninety six in Ghana. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It, it, it's 
it comes back to something you were saying earlier, Saul, with, you know, uh, eventually Dracula and the Mummy and the Wolfman meet Abbott and Costello. And mm. it's like, here, yeah, the stakes yeah. are raised because the, the the Daleks are chasing the Doctor, Ian and Barbara and Vicky, but they can't kill the Doctor, Ian and Barbara and Vicky, so we have to have some comedy instead. And it started, yeah. in fact, in the previous story where they find a Dalek in the Space Museum. Yeah, yeah. And the Doctor, oh. Ian and Barbara recoil in horror and Vicky goes, oh, that's Dalek. Kind of cute. <laughs> and, then, and the doctor tries one on, like he yeah, yeah, yeah. he tries it on. <laughs> he has to hide in the Dalek, and yeah. he and he makes fun of the Dalek and pops his head out, and he's giggling. So yes, that's quite like a little schoolboy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's ama- you know, it's kind of amazing. We're already undermining the Daleks because it's yeah. kind of like they have to threaten the heroes, but they can't threaten them too much. But mm. what stops it from being a total disaster is that. The Daleks murder the fuck out of everyone else, <laughs> except except yeah. that the guy up on the Empire State Building. Yeah, except for Morton, who they Dill. mysteriously don't kill. Um, well, they, they sense you see that he's going to have a descendant that's going to be important uh, in their history, right? And that's oh, explained okay. in the Waters of Mars, Nathan. <laughs> okay, I, okay. It's a whole right. rich tapestry of continuity. <laughs> it all, is always planned. Absolutely always planned. And, you know, Spock always had a half-brother and a human stepsister. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? Do we do what? We talk about the truth for a moment? It just didn't look... Yeah, it just, just didn't look... Do we talk oh, about yeah, that's true. Star Trek. Do we, uh, do we talk about the true horror moment, though, of yes. Peter Burvis's American accent? <laughs> <laughs> it's really something, isn't it? He's, he's yeah, oh yeah. absolutely fantastic, and like he will go for the whole next year, and he'll play a massive role in the in the next Dalek serial. And he's yeah. another one where it's kind of like if it wasn't for Peter Purvis, we wouldn't still have the program because he's absolutely. No, he's, he's great. I, I, I say that we will joke aside. The American, yeah, he's aside. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, yeah. we're going to have worse American accents later on in a story with Peter Purvis. <laughs> um, but I, yes. I, I think you know that that scene, that scene really works because Peter Purvis just throws himself into yeah. it. And considering this was Richard Martin's yeah, second true. choice for Peter Purvis, because Peter Purvis was decided not to be good enough to be a Zabi or a Monoptera. <laughs> And but got the call yeah. back for this <laughs> instead, and yeah, he he just absolutely throws himself into it. Whereas you get the Iridians, who are at least one of them is also played by a professional comedian, and Huel Bennett. Huel Bennett, yeah, yeah, and and. I, w- I won't say exactly phones it in, but gives a more restrained performance oh, that you no. would expect He's from a fish person. Fuck. Yes. So embarrassed. <laughs> Poor love. I mean, look at him. It, yeah. yeah, but it's all right because uh, <laughs> I can't remember if the giant testicle monster gets him or if he gets shot by the Daleks. Oh, well, th- this uh, is or a... which is more horrifying, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> this is another problem with this serial is that it is so poorly directed. Yeah, and and Richard Martin did. Um, Dalek Invasion of Earth, which has some great visuals and looks really good, mm. whereas this is incredibly slapdash and kind of phoned in. Yeah. It's really dreadful. There's cameras in shot. There's studio <laughs> wires on the floor. The, the, the jungle, the lush jungle of 
of Mechanus is basically some flats with some kind of some something resembling plants listlessly kind of painted <laughs> on them uh, like it, it's it's it doesn't look great i think it is a bit of a problem yeah uh, but i i still love it to death and i think it is the kind of speed of it uh, you know um yes uh, and that weird change to the program mm. the fact that we're just zipping from place to place instead of having adventures is this is this the first episode where the Daleks have made it personal? Like they've kind of acknowledged the Doctor is is, is the yeah. character that yeah that, 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 yeah, which is thematically a thing that happens throughout the rest of his history because particularly when he regenerates, it's like oh you're the Doctor, you're the enemy of the Daleks. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. like all all of the eighties Doctors, Davison and Colin Baker and Sylvester McCoy, all kind of go, you know. That yeah, that's the moment you arrive when it's when it's yeah, when, it's when you get yeah, yes, it's like even like when the doctor first changes, Polly is convinced it's still the doctor, but um, Ben isn't. But the, the moment that uh, Troughton arrives as the doctor is the moment that, that a Dalek clearly reacts to him, like recognizes him, mm. and and responds him. Yeah. to seeing him, yeah. even though he looks different, and so mm. so. You know, we talked about breakout characters. In a sense, the Doctor's the breakout character. He starts Doctor mm-hmm. Who as the crazy old man who gets the main characters into scrapes mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. becomes the hero in a way that doesn't quite work yes. um, for Hartnell. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Yeah, it, it, it is interesting, though, that throughout the Dalek stories, they're, they're kind of the big turning points for his character because... Even in the first half yes. of the first Dalek story, you know, the Doctor just wants to get away, and when they realise yes. that they can't, that they can't, and should ask the Thals for help, the Doctor and Barbara are the ones going. Let's not tell them about the dangers. Let's just tell them we need our help and to go down and get, <laughs> get, go down and get our stuff. And it's Ian and Susan saying, "No, they need to know the exact risk." And there's there's a moment where the Doctor and Barbara realise they're agreeing with each other. And just kind of look at each other and then look away. Like, I can't believe I'm agreeing with you. <laughs> but then the, en- the end of that story, when the when the Daleks are talking about dropping the neutron bomb, is the first time the Doctor denounces evil. Right. At the end yes. of the Dalek invasion of Earth, when they're scuppering the Dalek ship, there's a Dalek heading towards the Doctor and he just stands directly in its way until it explodes. <laughs> just staring at it hard enough. Mm. And here... Um, when they're when they're on Iridius, like the Doctor distracts the Dalek into a pit. You know he's gone. <laughs> he's gone from you know you're you're evil, you're horrible. To I'm going to stand up to you. To you are absolutely ridiculous, and I'm way more fun than you are. Get off my yeah. show. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, there's, I mean, there's a reading of the show which is absolutely not intended to be there. I think by anyone originally kind of proposing it is that the Doctor is taught by Barbara and Ian. Uh, to become a hero ah. and by his encounters with the Daleks. Like they, mm. you know, right. Um, some people, there's a famous uh, Doctor Who critic, Al Sandifer, who hates the idea of pre, pre um, unearthly child stories because, because she likes that particular reading yeah. of, of the he, That's when he made his conversion. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Mm, yeah. And mm. uh, like, uh, yeah, there's no way it's intentional. It's, just emerges out of the text by accident but it's, it's yeah 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 reading. and emerges out of the performances because yeah. because yeah, yeah yeah william hartnell wanted to play a hero yeah you know right um, yes 
It's always been in Congress for me that, that, that like, if you if you take the fact that Hartnell is the first Doctor, therefore there was no Doctor before that, which is what I prefer it to be. Fucking Chibnall. Mm. Um, um, but that he then he's he's had a whole life. You have a whole life as a single human being anyway, but he's obviously an old man by the time you pick him up. So the whole life of him as a young man, presumably, and he grows up and makes all these decisions that make him become a librarian that then fucking leaves uh, uh, Gallifrey. It's interesting. And I think uh, with Moffat decided to bring him back for uh, Capaldi's last foray, and he has that thing of when the, the his companion asks him, why did you leave Gallifrey? And I was like, that's a really interesting question because he's done... He, he, is, he is such a different person to all the other doctors. He can't sort of espouse the whole, I was not, I was all sick and tired of my people being non interfering. I had to do something about it. Because Hartnell just doesn't have that about him at all no, for I, a lot of his, no. his mark. Yeah. He's hiding out in, yeah, in contemporary yeah. London. He's not near yeah. oil and invasion or anything. Yeah. He's just hiding yeah. out. Yeah, Ian describes yeah. him as someone who drives into trouble and usually finds a way out. You know, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He he, yeah. he 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 doesn't he he doesn't go looking for trouble, but when he sees it, he's like, "Well, only way out is through. Let's dive in." Yeah. Um. Yeah. But if if you look at something like the Aztecs, where mm. he's certainly still yeah. that sort of neophyte hero character, but he's also the one railing against progress because it will hurt his friends. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, yeah. And, and, but in order to do that, he has to hurt his friends. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a good yeah. Yeah, whereas that's a good reading. Yeah, whereas by you know the beginning of the chase has the Doctor and his friends all sort of relaxing, and Ian's reading a horrible like um, children's Christmas annual about monsters, that's and Barbara's right. trying to make mm. a dress, and Vicky's annoying yeah. everyone, and he's trying to get the TV working, and then they all <laughs> sit around at the TV watching Doctor Who instead yeah. of like having an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a problem. Yeah, yeah. so already. Yeah. The show is falling to pieces by the time the Daleks turn up. I yeah, think. totally. And you know, the the Daleks then turn up and shake up that complacency. Yeah. You know, you've got mm. the the warning sign that the Daleks are coming. The Doctor totally ignores it because he's singing. And Barbara, Barbara says, "What's that horrible noise? What, my, what am I singing? No, the other horrible noise." <laughs> you know, they're 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 mates and they're having a laugh with each other. And yeah, it's kind of yeah, like, right. just as they're a comfortable, happy family unit, the Daleks, right. even though they're comical figures in this, they come in and smash it up. Yeah. But with all this going on, do you think that that makes the Daleks lesser in comparison? Are they kind of becoming more paler because there's all these other elements going on that the Daleks become almost secondary to what, what's happening on screen? Maybe. Yeah. I think, I think there is a definite course correction from here on in mm. um and and i think that he he does do some repair work in the next serial to yeah. kind of make them a functioning thread again mm. yes um yeah yeah I, I guess that's it i mean you know we 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 said earlier even with the sort of Peeping Tom reference and other things, you know, Doctor Who does other shows. And this is kind of Doctor Who doing a, a variety light entertainment show. A variety special. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, <laughs> Dalek Mania was at its height. I think 
an episode an episode of the web planet a couple of weeks ago is the highest rated episode of Doctor Who until the 1970s when the other channels weren't working you know um you know Doctor Who yep. is at a massive height here and so they go how far can we push this and by the end of 6 weeks they're right. like not that far that far <laughs> you know how can, how far can we push the public goodwill and it's interesting yeah. then that we have a clip from the Beatles who you know are a few years away from going hey we're going to get really experimental yeah. and a lot of people going no don't do that <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, people want consistency yeah people yeah it, it's mm-hmm. kind of like people want new things, but they want consistency yeah. as well. Well, that's with yeah, the curse yeah. of the sequel, which yes. Saul, Saul and I talk about an awful lot. It's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. A very much a tough thing to do. And yeah, yeah, after this, really, after Patrick Troughton's first season is when various producers of Doctor Who realise you can't have the Daleks every year. Yeah, and then when the new yeah. series comes back again, after having them every year for four years well, for five years, actually, the first five series, they don't appear again in a major way for another two or three years and yeah. then two or three years and then two or three years. Um, mm. Because you do... It, it's weird. Even though they have the depth we've been talking about, they have emotion, yeah. they have the fear, there's still only a certain amount of things you can do with them. Yeah. And mm. spin-offs, the novels, the comics, the audios, can all do different things because they're not the main program. And yeah, be- yeah, yeah, yeah. And because it's if you don't like big finish audio, you're pretty much fine because you've got the main program. If you don't like the main program, you f- you feel bereft. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and I think as as you say, Nathan, there is a course correction, and they do realize, okay, that's a boundary. Yeah, you know, and arguably that boundary with the Daleks would not be pushed again until I would say the Curse of Fatal Death. Yeah. <laughs> Which, which should have been which should have been canon. It's it, a, it's it, canon. It, it, it's canon. Time war. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's just, uh, oh fuck yeah. Yeah, it happened every bit as much as the chase happened. Yeah. Like, yeah. Not at all. Look, ma- maybe it happened because Richard E. Grant stepped into the Doctor's time stream. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Oh god, yeah. That <laughs> Same oh, with Shalka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. That's true. That's true. There you go. Lenny Henry's so, Doctor like, is canon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't say so, yeah, that. <laughs> when, when we when we look at obviously the end of of, of the chase, um, we do say goodbye to Ian and Barbara, um, which again is this kind of like uh, going back. I'm just tapping into what you were saying as well, uh, Nathan. Is like there's a significant change that happens here, and fundamentally, the big thing is losing these two central characters that we've had from the very beginning. Um, it has no it has no option but to do something different the next time round, um, which I think is quite quite fundamental. And and like we do have the cheery like the cheery ending in a way because we do get to see those kind of you know those snapshots of mm. Ian and Barbara having fun and before you know they start going right. What do we do now then? Um, component, um, but it's a big it's a big turning point in in the series. How how do you think that that impacted? on the series moving forward. I I think that if the show can survive that, then it's a going concern. I think it is yeah. a bigger deal than Susan's departure, even though that puts yeah, I agree. on the agenda. Because mm-hmm. these two were functionally the two main characters when 
the show first starts. Yeah. And they, you know, there's something mumsy about Barbara. I mean, she's, mm. you know, she's a younger woman. She's not, and she's not married or whatever. She doesn't have kids. But, you know, you know, there's that thing we talked about destroying a, a, one of her we, we talk about luring the Daleks into a pit, but what Brenda didn't mention was he, you know, the Doctor covers it with one of one of Barbara's cardigans, <laughs> and it's a second season, a second story in a row where one of her cardigans has been destroyed. And there's something just kind of yes, that's normal right. and, and homely, a link to the to the audience at home. But, um, yeah, and and. And you know that the final moment of that story is full circle. The Doctor and Vicky watching them, watching Ian and Barbara returning home on television, just like yes. we are. You know, yes. at the same time as <laughs> yeah. we are watching that. Mm. And so the show does strike off in quite a different direction. And while it never stops, well, it does eventually stop being kind of appointment family viewing, but it, not for a while yet. Um, mm. It does lose a link. You know, there's no one in the TARDIS um, uh, now, by the end of the, the chase, who is from yeah. contemporary Earth at all. No. That's right. We, we lose that kind of, our, from an audience perspective, we yeah. use that, that link entry point into yeah. who people ask. And they will yeah. correct that later at the end of Hartnell's run. Mm. Um, mm. But, yeah. but it's a definite thing, and it certainly affects the next... Dalek serial. Mm. Mm. So something I find, um, sort of, in the in the horror oeuvre, and and sort of and sort of shocking in this, is is um, Vicky's subplot in the second half of the story where she gets left behind. Oh yes, and the reactions of the Doctor Ian and Barbara, they're they're quite understated, but they really sell the idea that this could be writing Vicky out of the show. Because of yes. course, you know, right. we, we we as viewers didn't expect Susan to leave, and Vicky mm. is left yes. behind in the haunted house. Yes. You know where she, where we've just seen, by the way, Frankenstein's monster destroy a Dalek. Yes, you know mm. the the icons of old horror and the icons of new horror coming together, and it's Vicky who discovers like the robot replica of Doctor Who as it's forming, and that's <laughs> that's a horrifying sight, judging by her reaction. Um, it's, you know, it's not. Thanks, <laughs> uh, thanks, thanks, Richard Martin, but good on you, Maureen, for trying. Um, and then, you know, we haven't much discussed, um, the robot replica, as you mentioned at the beginning of, um, no, we haven't yet, no. the chase. And as, as ropey as that is, you know, yes, you have to remember that, that televisions were much, much smaller, but even so, um, as ropey as that is, there is a moment where, and it's Hartnell playing him at the time, the the robot yeah. attacks Barbara. Yeah. And so, as I was saying earlier, like this is the story where the Doctor and the Barbara are their most relaxed together and laughing and chummy and having fun. And some, I think on the Mary Celeste, they're sneaking about together and, you know. And then the Doctor Please, attacks her and there's yeah. a really great scream from Jackie Hill to sell that this is... Yep. A horrific event, you know. Um, yes, it would be better if they had had the resources to make it William Hartnell all the time, but they didn't. Yep. And even yep. when they do that with Troughton further on, like Barry Letts says, that was really hard to do, and they almost yeah. didn't. Then they almost didn't pull it off. Um, mm. 
but in concept, that's really scary. And I think it's the I agree. Yeah, it's the first duplicate Doctor we've had, and it would become yes. something the show would do a few more times. Um, so I think um, on that, Len, I'm just kind of uh, conscious of time as well. Let's kind of fast track into Mission to the Unknown, um, which is the next time we see the Daleks. Um, and it's possibly my favourite Dalek episode of the Hartnell era, which Ant can probably attest to um, is probably because of its darker edge and bleak ending. Um, <laughs> and, and interestingly, the lack of Doctor is in it. The fact that all his companions um, has has the, made to have a different tone and energy to it too. Um, it would serve as the second storyline from the third season in the Hartnell area, and it was the prequel of sorts for the upcoming serial, The Dalek's Master Plan. Ish. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> again, like it's, it's like. Yeah. <laughs> I- What's happening, though, at the time? Like, because we buy Doctor Who in DVD box sets and stuff that are labelled with individual story titles, those story titles never went to air. Yeah. And so when people tuned in to yeah. episode one of Dalek Invasion of Earth, they were just watching a show that whose title was World's End, right? And right. So, and yes, so yes. something weird happens to Doctor Who at this point, which is yes. that... So I think the... The TARDIS crew throw, like they see Campbell out the window. Yeah, 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 I yeah. There's a window, but yeah. Vicky yeah. says, "I wonder what's happening there down that yeah. planet." Yeah. There. Then they, they, we see what's happening. Then is that right? Then we go off on our four-part adventure, the Myth Makers, to and, to, to get rid yes. of Maureen and O'Brien. Yeah. From then on, Doctor Who is just taken over by the Daleks. You know how I said that the chase. The Daleks threaten to take over Doctor Who. What yeah. we have is a period in the show's history where the Daleks are in it every every week for three months. And yeah. Then, okay. Yeah. Well, mm. like, so the, yeah, because the Daleks' master plan, which we're going to come to, is mm. still. I correct me if I'm wrong, guys. Is still the longest uh, serial arc that we've had for Doctor Who. Ish <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah, I thought what, I War think, Games. Well, except that I don't think that that's a thing. I don't think it's a single right. story. I think it is right. just a period of time in the show's history where we kind of go, we're just doing a thing, you know. Yeah. And it's Interesting. Like yeah, 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 yeah. It's you know, like it's trying it's something. Not a single yeah. coherent story at all. And, and it's also like Trial of a Time Lord is now counted as the BBC as one story, but it has yeah, three right. production codes and four storylines. And then right, there's right. Flux, which is six episodes, some of which are an hour long. I haven't yeah. sat down and done the sums. <laughs> <laughs> then, um, then, then I know that um, some fans in America, because they've come to the show with the new series and they see the story unit as the season, call the yeah. key to time a twenty-six episode story. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was certainly, it look, it was the longest Doctor Who story on paper for yeah. twenty odd years. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. But I mean, it do, you know, like episode seven is more distinct from the Daleks' master plan than Mission to the Unknown is, I think. Yes. Yeah. Um, and and um, when it's released on BBC Audio 
uh, as a narrated soundtrack, Mission to the Unknown is included on it. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, I, that's the thing. I kind of see it as a 13-episode story with a four-episode story chucked in the middle yeah, of it. Yeah, and <laughs> maybe And maybe other stories, like, it, it, yeah. it itself yeah. consists of different stories yeah. as well. Yeah, it, and there's, like, a miniature reprise of the chase in it. But, you know, we're getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> we are on Mission to the Unknown. That's all right. Um, For good reason, because they are kind of married yeah, to one Yeah, yeah. Mission to the Unknown is interesting because it's it's... It's like an episode of an anthology series. You know, we've never seen these three characters before. We will never see them again. Well, they're dead. They're dead. No. Um, uh, we might see one of their skeletons. We don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. But, yeah, it's, 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 it's like a big Finnish spin-off 50 years early. You know or, what I mean? You remember the little two-minute... Um, things that they used to do, the little prequels that they used to oh, do yeah, for the yeah, new yeah. series, yeah, things yeah, yeah. like in in sort of oh, yeah. four and five and stuff. It's like that, but because the the story itself is twelve episodes long, the little what did they call it? The webisode, 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 webisode yeah. prequel, yeah. minisode, yeah, tardisode, so, vortex. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So logistically, they why why they rejected that one? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so was this an attempt because the Daleks are so popular? They're going to try and see if they could do a Dalek spinoff, or was just the main actors weren't available? Was it like a bottle episode, but we're doing two productions simultaneously? Uh, why was the reason? Well, I mean, it, it was not unknown for regulars to take a week off, mm. and so for right. instance, Barbara takes two weeks off in the middle of the sensorites, and then comes back with a lovely tan. Yeah, <laughs> she's been on the sensorite ship, yeah. sunbed, Yeah, the the reason yeah. we end up with a single episode here is even though this is in broadcast season three it's the end of the second production block ah, and right. at the beginning right. of the second production block there was a story called planet of giants which was made as a four-part story but um after it was produced verity lambert went episodes three and four are really boring i'm going to combine them into one episode so had a leftover had a had an episode that was not produced but had to be given to the bbc none of the regulars were under contract for it and it's like, well, we can write a one-episode contract for them. Or, um, okay. as Verity Lambert was leaving, she had set up this massive Dalek story on the on the grounds of it's really popular. It's a gift to the new production team. Um, uh, how about yeah. how about we do a one-episode that will set that up? And so that ends up being her final uh, contribution to the show. Yeah. And, but also, you know, she was aware William Hartnell was, I was about to say, not a young man. In mo- in modern terms, he wouldn't be considered that old. But He's not that much older than we are now, Anthony. Yeah, uh, no, yeah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, um, mid We lived in an area where everybody yeah. smoked. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Actually, he and Peter Capaldi are basically the same age range when they played the Doctor. And yes. Capaldi's a bit older. Oh, Capaldi's a bit Yes, older. he is. And Capaldi was running marathons, for God's sake. He you know, was. It, it's, a, it's, it's, a different, different, it's a different time. Different era. Yeah, so 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 as not to tax William Hartnell and kind of you know, get him to do work he'd already done, because he'd made mm. that extra episode, um, they decided mm. to go down this route of a single episode prelude. It, functionally, but, it's a bit like the new, seas- the new series, where before the credits, you'll have a few... Uh, characters going about their business kind of generally enjoying their day yes. whatever yes. and then the monster mm. turns up and kills them and then you go into the, <laughs> the credits, yeah. credits. Yeah. and that's what this is like that plays the same role True. as that 
sort of three or four minutes of a news. <laughs> yeah, that's episode. true. That's true. Let's be like the OA where the opening credits happen in the last two minutes of the first episode. <laughs> but, but but the thing is, I mean, there's an interesting uh, tradition, I guess, not tradition, but I remember for me, one of the best episodes of the new season was the fucking Angels, right? Mm-hmm. Who had the appears in it? The Doctor. Yeah, um, yeah. But, it but, but obviously that was a conscious choice to try and tell a story from that angle and it worked, worked really, really well. Um, uh, yeah, but yeah. It, it is that is that is interesting. Yeah. But I remember re- I remember reading about that episode as a kid. I got the the there's a Doctor Who episode guide thing. Yeah, because because I was like you, like I the, the the black and white episodes held this place of myth mythology in my head because we, you were never going to see them. Yeah, my uncle, <laughs> my uncle saw my uncle saw them. He used to rave all about how Patrick Charlton's his Doctor. Patrick Charlton's everybody's Doctor. Yes, but um. <laughs> But yeah, but yeah, but then I'm reading this episode guide saying, "Oh, there's one episode where the Doctor doesn't appear in it." That's weird. Um, but yeah, you just, it all just came. It all just came flooding back. What you said was like, I, and looking back, I was like, "Oh, that's kind of." It feels like television back then had the freedom to do that shit compared to today, where so much money is invested and control. Uh, I remember reading like uh, uh, Parkinson decided to have as his guest a physicist, and he gave him the entire episode to talk about physics and life. And he said this is one of the most favorite episodes he ever did. Mm-hmm. But I was like, can you imagine pitching that to any studio yeah. for any late night talk show? I'm speaking to a Nobel Prize winning physicist for now. Um, <laughs> but back then, television was kind of it was kind of making up its rules as it went along. So yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, at at this point on the Avengers, you have the you have the beginning of the M Appeal uh, era, yeah. uh, and yep. the thing is the first episode and a half of MAPL were made with a different actress. Like, one completed episode and another half-done right. episode. And um, it was mutually decided that uh, she wasn't enjoying, she wasn't enjoying yeah. the production. They weren't interested in hearing her ideas for how to play the role because their whole thing was, no, we need to make this really quickly, and etc. Et mm. So, you know, they're there's right on both sides of that argument. And so they just scrap them and mm. just remake uh, all the yeah. M appeal scenes from the first episode and a half. Right, right. And again, okay. that's that's something that if that happened today, it would be found out on the internet and the series would be crucified before it ever went here. Oh my yeah. God, reshoots! Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Avengers yeah, Endgame is going to be terrible. There have been reshoots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? If there yeah. was... If there, if Russell T Davies announced, well, one of one of the episodes is not going to feature um, Shooty Gatwa, and yeah, it's yeah. not going to feature any of the regulars. Oh my God, Crisis in Cardiff! Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. In Cardiff, yeah. You know, and yeah, yeah, yeah. and it, it's kind of it's kind of weird. Yes, television was more experimental and more willing to try and fail. Yeah, I think modern television yeah, getting, is. I yeah, I get that. 100% I get that. Yeah, I mean the flip side of it is it's all being sort of held together with sort of plastic with sticky tape and kind of rubber yeah, bands yeah. and stuff, mm. and it's just like we just need to do this thing. Yeah, we don't have any regulars, <laughs> and what are we going to do? And, True, yeah. and I think it it does set up that idea that the Daleks are taking over the program, like they. They kind of yeah, right. they reach yeah. out of their own story and affect yep. the you know the episode just before the myth makers mm, mm, you know this mm, is yeah, such definitely. an event yeah yeah and the the other, 
the other thing quickly mm -hmm. just on mission to the unknown is the varga plant um i just wanted to mm. touch on that um that which is for listeners who aren't aware of it it's kind of like a moving cacti um thorny kind of plant which infects and kills i think it's two of the of the yeah. three characters so it's I, I i don't know the first one i'm presuming has been infected by the virus plant, yes. but we yeah, didn't yeah, yeah. infected um so um but which is kind of interesting but it comes back to again the the john windham kind of dave the triffids kind of component that you have said is so um prominent in nation's writing as well um but um but yeah but apparently these and for some reason these daleks have decided to uproot them and bring them with them on this kind of campaign it, it doesn't really make much sense but you know like let's have a bit of a um, it's kind of like a warped version of silent running really like we've got the daleks kind of bringing these things with them to kind of cultivate vegetation on new life and serve as protectors um yeah interesting it's like um, the but the idea of infestation is always there. The, the idea of the, the dialects are always in, um, infecting or in, uh, infesting um, this virus or disease or, you know, destruction around them. Um, mm. And also, as you have quite rightly said, we are getting hints of this Dalek alliance for, um, with other members uh which we find out that i think they say is it in this episode they say it about is we all we know is it's there's seven planets and there are members from each planet that are coming to form this alliance mm. i don't think we're told quite at this stage who they are yes um <laughs> we're yeah. never really told no. <laughs> so there's a, there's a lot of no. aliens around a table and no one really knows which one is which like even now it's impossible no. to tell. <laughs> yeah um, because some episodes don't survive and i think because mission to the unknown was directed by someone different Yes, Mission to the Unknown is Derek Martinez. Yeah. Uh, and then Douglas Camfield. That's right. And so, and so no one knows who the, oh, these shit. aliens are. And, you know, <sighs> but they are sort of set up. Like, so all of this is absolutely telegraphing. And it ends with the, you know, the message failing to go out, which I think is pretty great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. love that. Yeah. But the message is. Yeah. I don't reading that. that this yeah. Is yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and it it's just it builds up that horror so well because within the first five minutes we know what happens to you when you get stuck by a Varga plant, mm. and yeah. then their ship is destroyed, and you're like, yes. oh well, okay, but there are other ships on the planet. Let's go get one of those, and then one of them gets hit with a Varga plant, and Mark has to shoot him. Yes, mm. and then Mark is recording his message, realizes he has seconds, goes to put it in the thing, and get shot, and. The the last shot of Mark in the episode is his hand resting on the on the tape. Yes, and, and then I think you know we get uh, you know we're we're gonna conquer Mars and Venus and Jupiter and the Earth. Cue credits. <laughs> um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then next week we're in ancient <laughs> Troy. Ancient, yeah, yeah. You know, like it, it's yeah. very strange, and it's hard to mm -hmm. imagine how that would have been received. Episode one of yeah. the makers gets really good ratings. Yeah, right. Oh, because I, I, oh, I thought it was going to be <laughs> Daleks and stuff. <laughs> it was like the Cartman's, Cartman's, the real Cartman's mother. It's a... It is an interesting choice, though, isn't it? So, like, when they did mm. this, why didn't they just have the myth makers earlier on? Why couldn't they have just put uh, Mission to the Unknown 
where it should sit in chronological order with the beginning of the Daleks master plan. I think mm. it's a, I think it's a teaser. I think it is yeah, an right. ad for the upcoming epic. And yeah, sure. Yeah, right and that makes season. a lot of sense. And yeah. also right. like having the doctor having this thing happen the doctor never turns up. Surely the audience at home are waiting for him to arrive. Yeah, and, and fix like it. halfway through they're kind of checking the yeah, watches yeah. going, wait, he hasn't turned up to fix this. And guess what happens when the doctor doesn't arrive? Yeah. And like the bad yeah, guys yeah, win. Knows. That's true. Yeah. So that's really so gone. No, no, no. I'm just saying I think yeah. it really works Yeah, it is. But I think that's again that now that I'm hearing it out loud, I'm like, that's really cool. Yeah. That's really cool and different because I mean it's a very valid point. If the doctor's up there to save the day, you yeah, lose. Like Mind you, but the, in the Myth Makers, he doesn't save the day and everyone gets killed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well, nobody's perfect. Yeah. But um, there's this horror film. Uh, it's a zombie apocalypse film uh, with um, the guy who plays uh, Batista, um, uh, wow. and. Uh, and there's yeah, and there's a girl, and she's playing. Oh, fuck, it's a, it's a kind of country. And the whole point is that it's it's the whole movie's about her. The zombie apocalypse hits the city. She gets she she's running from it. She goes into her basement, where she finds this Batista's character, who's an ex army veteran with PTSD. And um, the whole point is the two of them get together to get out of the city. Um, and they go through all sorts of adventures. She almost gets raped. He saves her. Um, they run through. They find out that the army's evacuating people out of the city. At, at a park, which they have to be there at a certain time. They, they go through hell to get to this park. They make a big run for it. And um, she gets attacked. She gets felled by a zombie right as he gets to the chopper amongst a whole crowd of people rushing towards the chopper. And the whole point of the film is that that point of the film, you see people run for rescue and innocent or the extras get knocked off. Those extras have a backstory. Yeah. And that was the whole point of the films that she was meant to be an extra who dies in the background. Right. But let's have the 90 minutes leading up to her life. And that was it. And like the whole point is that oh, she she doesn't make it, and mm. that's how the movie ends. And it's really it was a really cool idea. That was the whole point is that she was the nameless extra. Let's just follow. Like it's the whole uh, uh, Austin Powell thing of when um, he kills a security guard, and then again this whole tangent about that security <laughs> guard's life and his family, yeah, yeah. and he's just you know it was like that. But it was just it was just really all well yeah. It was just a really nice idea how it just ended for her, and the camera keeps following him and. And off you go. Yeah. Mm. Um, um, but that's the same idea, which again, I kind of like that because I think that's a really nice way of breaking it up. Is of, yeah, the prequel bit where you follow the extra who doesn't make it. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Cool. Sorry. Yeah. Nice. No, good. I, I like I said, it really it really sat with me when I when I watched it. I was like, yeah, I can I really imagine. Really yeah. Now. So yeah, yeah. Um, so it leads uh, kind of nicely um, into what would be the last Dalek encounter for the Hartnell's Doctor. Um, as we've already discussed, the Dalek's master plan made up of 12 parts. Um, and I have to admit, it certainly feels like it in places. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? I forget. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it, it shifts and turns through various means um, along the way. And there are points where, you, where like, particularly the Christmas episode, um, there is this moment of what what's actually happening now? What, where are they? Um, yeah. Dark fatigue is setting in. Yeah, it does. And I think like, cause I think I actually sat down and watched it. If it wasn't in one hit, it was in two. So mm. I kind of watched it quite 
Quite. Wrongly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like it is three months of the show, you know, like, yeah. and that's, yeah. it works probably only in those terms. Yeah, and yeah right, right. There is a clever bit, isn't there, where the Daleks are on their way to Earth and they're going to arrive on when episode eight goes out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so we know that they're on their way to threaten us, the viewing audience at home. Yes. Um, and so we have this sort of Christmas yes. nonsense, but there is this sort of impending thing where, uh, you know, we'll all be dead in a week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the Christmas episode is entirely because sort of six months out before this, they, they discover one oh, of... Oh, one shit, of, it's going to be Christmas yeah, Day. Yeah, one of these episodes is going to be on Christmas Day. And back, <laughs> back then, watching telly after Christmas dinner was not a thing. You didn't switch on the telly on Christmas ah, Day, ex- except, right, right, except for right. the Queen's message. Um, right. And so message. they went, yeah. we, so we still, need to ne- we still need to fill 25 minutes of Doctor Who. It needs to link into the end of episode six and the beginning of episode eight, and it can't advance the plot. Right. So right. Yeah. let's have a miniature version of the chase <laughs> within twenty-five minutes. Um, in terms of it being a twelve-part story, I I sort of view it as having uh, like four movements, like a symphony. Um, yes. So you've got yes. episode one to four. Uh, then you've got episode five, six, and seven. Uh, so, sorry, episode one to mm-hmm. four is when they discover the plot, they get back to Earth, they discover who the traitor yep. is. Um, five, six, and seven is when Sarah joins and ends with the Christmas episode and they all toast and it's all so lovely. So it's really five and six. And well, then there's seven. The thing is... And then there's yeah. eight and nine. Seven is kind of when Sarah becomes their friend. Yeah, you know true. what I mean? So it, 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 yeah. You know, it is its own thing, but it also feeds off the back of those. Then you've got 8, 9, and 10 with the monk coming back. Yeah. And then you've got 11 and yes. 12, which are the denouement. And it's kind of funny yes. that later on Trial of a Time Lord will follow the same kind of structure with two extra episodes. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it's kind of like taken like that, it's a lot easier to take. If, if you kind of think, okay, the story changes every three or four episodes. Um, and that, yeah, of true. course, yeah. then brings up the argument, okay, well, is it a single story? Is it a multi-part mm. story? It's kind of like, okay, well, let's look at the Invasion and the War Games. That also changes tack several yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And you have to with that length of story. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I think when the show comes back in 2005, it basically does this as well, where, you know, something might be set up and, and you know, the, the way there's an arc through those series like basically mm-hmm. you've got 13 weeks of yeah. a show where the the finale yes. wraps all the things up that have been happening in the season so far and so i think yes. that that's why modern doctor who has individual episode titles the same way that doctor who did until yep. you know the savages came along mm. and so this works mm. best as when you're not thinking about the whole idea of a serial uh, it's yeah, not right. really a serial in that sort of traditional sense. It is just a whole yeah. bunch of Dalek shit that goes on. For- <laughs> <laughs> so, in conclusion, is it horrific? It's really great. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. So yeah. good. Yes. Just well, that, from that because it's the, uh, we actually have the first time where two companions die um, mm. in, in a Doctor Who story. Um, we get Katarina, um, 
who is kind of well self-sacrificed uh by kind of ejecting herself and an assassin out into the uh, out through the airlock um but like for me I, her character was a bit of a a, a misbeat yeah um, yeah <laughs> um, where so for me that wasn't such a such a, a horrific one whereas the sarah kingdom character who was new to the storyline played by the magnificent gene marsh so who uh listeners may know mm, from yeah, the return yeah. of oz or even in the changeling she was in willow um she does come back again in a doctor who story arc with she uh, does um, Battlefield, yeah, 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 and um, co- co-creator yeah. and star uh, of Upstairs Downstairs. Did she co-create that exactly. Yeah. Oh wow! There you yes. Go. And, who's yeah. she married? And, and who was she married was to? Married to John Pertwee at some point. She was. John she was Pertwee. John's wife. Yeah, <laughs> in, uh, I don't think that's a big thing, isn't it? Yeah. In the fifties, yeah. 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 uh, they, they they were divorced by this point, but yeah. yes, yeah. Uh, I would have been dead they were, if they didn't divorce. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So. Yeah, so look, so there are some quite, and the way Sarah's character dies is really tragic because, mm-hmm. and it's her own hands too, because it won't make her go back, you know, with Doctor. It's like, but she chooses to go back and help him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so ultimately, like, um, I don't know how familiar you are with the story, um, and but she, there's the okay. crux of it is thing called the time destructor, which the Daleks have. And the key thing that uh, is around the, uh, Mavic Shen character is that he has what's the name? Is it Terranium yeah. or yeah? Terranium. It's called Terranation. <laughs> yeah, Terranation. Anatanium. Yeah, Terranation's name. Yeah, yeah, Terranation. Just yeah. like Sarah oh, Kingdom, like Terry Nation Sarah Kingdom. <laughs> yeah. It's just him in drag. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 Love it. <laughs> That's awesome. So maybe it's a good thing yeah. that he gets destroyed. I think um, it is, it's a tragic story, though, for her because we are starting mm. to really like her as a character as well, and we're meant to like her. Mm. Um, and arguably, is she a companion? I think you guys mentioned this in your. Um, uh, what defines a companion? Yeah. Because, yeah, 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 yeah. Brett Vine is a companion, I think, if Katarina is a companion. And Brett Vine, who's, of course, played by Nick yeah. Courtney, who will go on to play the Brigadier, yeah. he's mm. Sarah Kingdom's yeah. brother, whom she kills. Like, yes. Um, and mm. so that's her sort of tragic backstory. Mm. Um, it is, like, it's a weird thing. It's the Daleks come along for three months and kind of warp the the premise of the show in a way it's now no longer Mm. the doctor and his friends traveling around it's the doctor and you know people who kind of rock up and then get killed you know yeah yeah Yeah. Mm. there are a lot of deaths in this serial there's a lot there's a lot that they Mm. go through so which is kind of interesting again like you know it's like you're saying nathan like the dialects are are really kind of leaving a wake um of these kind of characters that you start and, and the characters aren't kind of like two-dimensional characters either. They're actually, uh, Katarina aside, um, <laughs> are kind of actually uh, quite <laughs> quite weighty, you know. So, like, if we particularly look at Sarah and uh, uh, Brett's characters, um, you know, there's there's because sub- there's a point where you think there's going to be more to Brett's arc, and then, like you said, he's then killed off by Sarah, who at that point we don't know much about other than that she's mm. like this um 
security guard kind of character and then all of a sudden her her character fleshes out to be even more so until they deflesh her at the end um you know so it's kind of um interesting kind of jumps that you go through with these characters that we're we're introduced to to. Mm. um yeah and uh, but essentially still building up to like the the idea that the the time destructor this kind of thing that will just kind of sap everything away from you like the it basically speeds your your life up so that you wither away into nothingness and just bones essentially um but in like the weird thing that i have with that though so like i you kind of buy the fact that it doesn't affect the doctor too greatly because we know by this point that he's not he's not obviously um a humanoid person like there's something more about him but why does it not affect peter when he comes into it it's not like radiation where it leaves some kind of lasting effect like i mean like i know time has passed but he then still then comes out of the TARDIS and gets the Doctor. Yeah, but only back. very briefly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and and it's it's it runs out, basically. Yeah, it does. Uh, yeah, yeah, but... and and yeah, I, I think I think it's just like limit, you know, limited exposure to it. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I remember seeing the first thing. My first experience of that very final episode was the photos from like the telly snaps being published in Doctor Who magazine mm. and they're horrific mm. like yeah. Sarah right. is so beautiful Sarah Sarah Sa- Sarah. Sarah. Sarah Sarah yeah my sister's yeah. got the same name without the h and pronounces it both ways depending on who she's uh, with so I'd never uh, right um, but yeah <laughs> so like they're really horrific you know she's aged and she has this sort of terrible yeah. wig and she's lying face down in the sand and stuff and the sand is the lush jungle of Kemble that we saw in Mission to the Unknown which is yeah. also being completely devastated and mm. i just remember them being particularly horrific yeah 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 um yeah, it's 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 a really horrible, grisly end for her. Um, yeah, and, and but also a kind of noble one. With Katarina's death, the Doctor tries to ascribe some nobility to it, but we just don't know. You know, yeah, what I mean? yeah. and and there is, and yeah, at the end of the story, Stephen says, you know, Katarina, Brett, Sarah, what a waste. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> you know, cause, and argu- arguably the only person who we know for a fact has given their life for this is Sarah. Yes, you know, Br- Brett is killed. Katerina. It, it, it is possible that Katerina understood what she was doing, but it's also yeah. possible that she didn't fully understand yeah. what she was doing. Um, and you know that that in itself is pretty horrific. And, and until now, sort of Katerina reacts to everything that happens with a. Either with benign indifference that okay, well that's just what gods do, or with actual horror. Like you know, we never see the face of Zephon, but when Katarina sees it, it's absolutely terrifying to her. Yeah. Um, the face of Zephon. Tom Baker was in that. Um, <laughs> but it, it it okay. The other thing that's kind of weird about the horror in this one is you've kind of yeah. got horror in the first five episodes, and yes. then you've got it in the last two episodes. And it's kind of like Dennis Spooner, who writes most of the middle of that, yeah. kind of goes, okay, if Ka- if Sarah is going to die at the end of this, we have to get to know her, and we have yeah. to get to like her. 
and yeah, that's the payoff. Yeah, because initially, mm. you know, they hate her because she killed Brett, and then she reveals yes. that well, he was my brother, and I thought he was a traitor, and now I found now I find out that Donald Trump is a horrible person. Who knew? <laughs> um, sorry, Space Trump. Um, Space Trump. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and then fake, fake news. <laughs> the the doctor. Fake space news. Fake space news. You know, the, the, the doctor kind of takes her to one side and says, well, look, nothing can change what you did. You can only change what you do now, and you have to want to do that. And it's not the doctor saying, look, I forgive you. It's the doctor saying, you have to yeah. accept mm. what happened. And they, they do become a really fun little group. Yeah. There, there's a whole comedy bit yeah. where Stephen's like, well, we can charge the fake core with this. And the doctor and Sarah are both like, that's... That technology's 500 years old, caveman. What are you talking about? And and Stephen electrocutes himself to teach them a valuable lesson. (laughs) It's just, it's like, it's it's really silly. But um, we kind of need that period of levity like you would normally get with Doctor Who Companions with minor jeopardy. Um, yes, yeah, right, right. A strange man keeps telling Sarah to take all her clothes off. Yeah, that kind of thing. Um, they're threatened by Buster Keaton or whoever. Um, be- because, you know, by the time we get to episode, uh, you you get the monk coming in and he's not a yeah. credible threat to anyone, <laughs> except no. he, he will cause something bad to happen to you, but he won't do it himself. No. So, you, you know, you have to then get to the point where okay, we care about these characters again now because I think part of the problem with Katarina is you never get to know her. So, no, that's right. And you yeah. just kind of go, oh, I'm kind of isn't glad that of sad? that, though. She's terrible. <laughs> she is terrible. Like, I, you know, the bleakness of this story is a bit of a feature of this part of the season, like maybe yeah. Yeah. most of season three. So yep. you get Mission to the Unknown where they're all killed. You get... You know, the myth makers where Troy gets destroyed and everyone gets killed or taken off into slavery. We get this where we've got Katarina and Brett and and Sarah dying. Then you've yep. got the massacre of St. Bartholomew's Eve, which yes. doesn't have a cheerful ending either. I'm and in a shocked. giant massacre and everyone gets killed. Shocked. And then we've got the Ark, which has Dodo in it. Yeah. No, but in the Ark, in the Ark, we learn that perhaps the Doctor's been infecting everyone that he meets with pathogens from the 20th century. And... And 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 what, future COVID? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and future humanity is like, no, no, it's okay to make them slaves because they have a different culture and we don't understand them. <laughs> yeah, right. So so there is something like the show actually stops yeah, I think true. the show goes too far. And I think if right. you watch mm. if you watch I think the end of of um What's it called? It's called The Destruction of Time, isn't it? That yeah. final episode. Yeah. I think it's really yeah. great. And it's a really somber ending that, that kind it of is. sells itself. But when the next four-part serial ends with the same kind of somber ending about how everyone's dead <laughs> and it's terrible. And, you it's know, getting a bit. It starts, I think it stops being fun. And I think yeah. it's the sort of thing that's only possible now that Barbara and Ian are not here. Yeah. Yes. If it was right. happening to real people instead of space people... It would be too upsetting. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and and that's kind of something that the horror film genre is sometimes criticised for. In that, you know, these people aren't behaving in a believable manner. You yes, know, you you you're not. 
you're not when you know there's a killer on the loose, you're not going to go investigate that noise yeah, by yourself individually. With, yeah, individually yeah. with the lights yeah. off, you know. Yeah, um, yeah 100%. but it, yeah, it, it's kind of like Stephen has to put himself into danger in order for there to be a plot. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah Sarah, yeah. Sarah has to stay with the doctor. Um, because she's not contracted yes, for next that's week. Right, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It, uh, yeah. Don't look at it too closely. Yeah. You know, yeah. J- Janet Lee has to snoop around the hotel. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because she she's killed off in a shocking manner, despite the fact that you know she would actually want to keep a low profile. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, well, she's just robbed a bank. She's just robbed a bank. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but there's, there's a classic. Um, uh, Joss Whedon, uh, the man that shall not be named. The classic Joss Whedon story is Speed, and he 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 he, he scripted off of that. But the interesting thing about it is that you've got to change the script. By the way, the cast has been chosen, and you got to keep the cast as is. And he went, oh, okay. And Alan Hickman, the guy from um, First Bueller, um, he, he plays a lovable hick from the country. He comes on the bus, goes, "This is my first time in LA, and I'm hoping to see him the bar." Um, he was originally written as a sleazy lawyer. And so we just rewrote him as this lovable country hit guy, and um and um and they're going, oh well, he was supposed to die, so we can't kill him now. And Joss goes, no, now that I made him likable, we gotta kill him. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and, exactly. yeah, and and that, that, and they had to stop him. You know, he lost that battle, but uh-huh. that's his that was his philosophy. It's the same thing. Now you get to know them. It's a classic thing too with the bad guy. Once you give the bad guy a reason, mm-hmm. um, yeah. then the if you give and then taking it one step further, if you give the bad guy the right reason, like they're right. Um, as as I always say, Thanos was right. Um, then suddenly, then then suddenly, it becomes really interesting. Um, yeah, it, it delves into oh, yeah. it. Yeah. That's that's exactly right. I guess that's a good point or a good time to kind of bring this full circle and talk about the Daleks and their journey with the Hartnell era, because what kind of impact have they had as a, as this overall story arc is uh, or you know just through the, the Hartnell era as I said um, I, you're talking about uh, and that we I, that you have to have those grey areas for or to humanise the bad guy to kind of give them good reason are we at that stage there or, or as Nathan was saying how, has the boat been pushed too far in one direction that that is no longer the case it has it got to the point where it's too bleak well i don't know I mean, overall for me the dark the interesting thing about the dark is they've become this caricature standard mm. of every new doctor because like i say to, to authenticate every new doctor he has to run to the daleks and every time he does or she does then they, they've got a new companion so they have to give this explanation like the dogs are the most ruthless thing and they have no compassion and no feeling yeah. so to me over the years they have become this two-dimensional uh, cinnamon for uh, the ultimate, yeah, just favorite bad guy. Um, outrageous plot, incredibly powerful. The doctor beats him anyway. Um, yeah. So I'm guessing during this earlier era, whilst the earlier era, whilst they're formulating exactly what they are, is when they're they're the most interesting. I guess I would argue, but yeah, I think that's right. I also think it's telling that the next time they come back in Troughton's debut story, uh, yeah. we don't up the stakes so we you know we've mm. gone from space city to earth to you know wrecking the program to taking <laughs> over the program i love that uh, yeah i love that i love that <laughs> you know yeah. the scale gets bigger each time now we're just yes. back to one 
thing and a small group of Daleks um, yeah, yeah, on, a, yeah. on an isolated planet. And it mm-hmm. also ends with, you know, them rising up and killing everyone, obviously. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but it's kind of like we can't do with them what Terry Nation yes. uh, yeah. has been doing with them. And then when Terry Nation finally gets the reins of the Daleks again during the Pertwee era, we get Planet of the Daleks, where he just yeah. remakes mm. the Daleks, essentially, and goes yeah. back to the beginning. Yeah. Mm. What, what I feel this... Um, this brings to the Daleks and how it course corrects them is Marvik Chen. And in almost yeah. every classic mm. Dalek story after this, they have a a human or humanoid ally. But that uh. char- that character is also someone they're in opposition to. Yeah. So they're yeah. in opposition to Mavic Chen. They're in opposition to Bragan and Maxtable in the Troughton era. Um yeah. The controller in Day of the Daleks, Davros, Kara, right. um, Joe Bell, uh, Mr. Ratcliffe, and the organization, you know. Um, and there's been criticism over the years because 